It is Free Talk Live on this Wednesday evening, 603-283-6160. If you would like to join in on the conversation, that's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. And man, it feels like it has been forever since I sat here in this chair, I mean, especially on a Wednesday, but I mean, it kind of has. I've been busier than normal for the last uh, few months uh, since my uh, former job reopened. They got me back working, you know, 50 plus hours a week. And some days they just don't have anyone else who is capable of doing the different tasks that I can do. And I end up having to stay late or doing a completely different job. It's just been chaotic. And of course, today I was, wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be able to make it because my car happened to be in the shop. With a belt that was squealing and just making god awful noises. I thought the whole belt was going to have to be replaced. Apparently, all they had to do was tighten it. Hmm, so and it's already good. back? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I got it back this afternoon. Thankfully, it, it was looking like it wasn't going to happen because they didn't call me, right? And usually, in my experience with this mechanic, is they're going to call you quickly and they're going to let you know, hey, your car is ready. If they don't call you, it means your car is not ready. But me being impatient, I was like, hey, you know, guys, I've got, got a life to live here and you got my car. <laughs> And ultimately, they did end up calling me back, and that was all squared away. So thank goodness for that. And then I was like, oh, crap. But I still may not be able to do the show because I've got this other thing at 5 o'clock today that I'd completely forgotten about until my attorney emailed me this afternoon with a document, a motion to continue my sentencing, which was scheduled for January the 26th. Presumably, it's going to get pushed back. The judge has not signed off on it. So as of right now, sentencing is still taking place on January the 26th. But... Uh, the prosecutors have assented to this motion, which means they, they're fine with it getting pushed back. And my attorney wants to push it back for various reasons. And we suspect that it's probably going to get pushed back to like mid-March or something like that. And I'm not super happy about it. It sucks, you know, having this sort of Damocles. Because if ever, that, that's an analogy that I've always used. The sort of Damocles was, I think, obviously from Greek mythology, it was this guy who who pissed off Zeus, as a lot of people did back then. So Zeus tied him to a rock under a tree with a sword hanging over him, you know, wafting in the breeze. And at any given time, that sword could fall. It's the uncertainty. Right. Except in this particular case, I happen to know when that sword is going to fall. And that really doesn't make things any better. It's just like... I also know I'm going to die one day, right? But I don't know when that is, so it's it's far removed from me, and it's not something that I spend any time thinking about. However, this, especially as it, it gets closer, I know that sword is going to fall on that day. But to make it sort of Damocles-y, it's like, you know it'll fall, but you don't know if it's going to land next to you or on you. Right. There, there are, and that's what's so annoying. There's a large number of questions about you know what exactly the sentencing will be. It, could be prison, right? Or could end up in prison for 36 months. And I don't want to go to prison. Don't get me wrong. God knows I don't want to go to prison. However, if I'm going to have to go to prison, I'd rather go ahead and go and get that clock ticking, right? I'd, I'd rather not put it off for two months and then get released two months down the later because the the anxiety of waiting, it. I, I know prison's not pleasant, but like, how much worse could it be than having the prospective prison sentence just perpetually in the back of your mind 24-7 to the extent that for the last week or so, and I suspect it's only going to get worse as the sentencing gets near, 
I've been having dreams about the sentencing, like every single night, some sort of dream about the sentencing or the trial or something, because it's just always there. It's like you can't plan anything. You can't like, you know, change anything about your life because you have this other thing that's almost like a obligation, but it's even worse than that. It's a forced obligation that you don't want to do coming up. It's so annoying. That's exactly. And there's so much planning I need to do, right? Like in regard to Free Talk Live and in regard to my other job and what's going to happen with my cats and my dogs if I'm not there for a year or two years or three years. There's so much planning that I need to do that I'm working on doing, but I don't know what is going to be an option and what isn't going to be an option. There's, There's so many questions that, as you pointed out, it's just impossible to plan around and it could go horrifically badly, right? Worst possible outcome is sentenced to prison 36 months, arrested then on the spot, which would suck. But in, if, if that happens, you know, what, what contingency, what plans can I put in place now that will go into effect then to keep things going? It's just, it's a complete mess. And I was not looking forward to sentencing. Don't get me wrong. No one ever looks forward to something like that. But I was... The, the dread of, I was awaiting the moment when the dread of it was no longer hanging over me, where I knew one way or another whether the coin was going to land on heads or tails, where I no longer had to guess, bam, there it is, deal with it. And now it's getting pushed back for 45 to 60 more days, which, you know, I, I agree with my attorney about it. It's, it's necessary for, you know, our defense, but man, is it difficult just must be so annoying to have your fate held in someone else's hands like i can only imagine how frustrating that is it's not annoying but it's freaking terrifying i mean to all extent i mean to to some extent all of us have our fates held in someone else's hand right when you're driving home your fate is effectively being held in the hands of other drivers on the road that's true one of them could be a psychopath and could just decide it's time to t-bone you however this is a bit more direct than that because you are right. Is uh, the judge effectively has the opportunity here to say, "Yes, Arya, I think you should go to prison for thirty-six months." Or I really don't think that's going to happen, though. But we don't know, right? I, I hope it's not going to happen, but I don't know that it's not going to happen, and I can't know that it's going to happen. No, no matter what I say or do or whatever logic I come up with or whatever legal precedents I look at or this example or that example or hear this argument from my attorney or that argument from my attorney or this argument from the prosecutors, it all, as you pointed out, comes down to one person making a decision. Even if you hear anything positive like, oh, this judge actually showed leniency in this example, it's only like a fleeting like, oh, that's good. And then it's immediately like, but it could go bad. So it's the same thing with Ian. Like, it's just like, anytime there's like, oh, there was good news that there was this happened throughout the last two and a half or whatever years of my life. It's been like, oh, that's good. And then it's immediately like, it might not even matter at all, you know? And um, turns out it doesn't because juries are just piles of idiots. Well, I- scooped out of a giant bucket of idiots that is New Hampshire. I don't know why the jury did what they did, right? And, you know, there, there was no jury in my particular case because I pled guilty to operating mm-hmm. an unlicensed money transmitting business. But, I mean, people always have their reasons and without being able to find out 
without being able to ask the jury why they felt that. Because that, that would have been nice, right? If instead yeah, of just saying guilty, they have to write an essay or yeah. maybe a page about why they think the person was guilty. I would appreciate that from an accountability standpoint. Yeah, at right. least some sort of statement. I mean, they didn't even have to show their faces the whole time. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's not right. It's like, I, can, I have the power to put you in prison. I don't even have to like show my whole identity, which is part of your face. Yeah. But... Be all of that as it may, as you point out, Nikki, ultimately this will come down to the decision of one person. I suspect there's an appeal process, like if if the judge was like, oh, you know what, Uh, 36 months in prison isn't enough for you, life sentence. You know, there's an appeal process there, but appeals are slow. And if I get sentenced to, you know, three three years in prison or whatever, by the time I run that appeal through, I'll probably get released anyway. I, I don't know. But it sucks having a hang over your head, and it's not annoying to have my fate being decided, you know, in it was 21 days from now, or 22 days from now, prior to, you know, about five hours ago. But it's, it's terrifying knowing that this one individual gets to make that decision. And it's, I do feel better in having interacted with uh, this judge in the past and having seen this judge be. Not exact, not at all what I would expect of a federal judge, right? Most of my experiences with federal judges is like reading the news. And there are people like the judge who oversaw the Ross Ulbricht case. And mm-hmm. they, they're 100%. They don't care about anything. They're going to railroad you. And that's, that's it. You're guilty. They don't care about anything else. As soon as they look at you, you're guilty. And they want to put you in prison for life. This judge has not been that. It's weird. I I think the federal judges are just better than state judges. I don't know what it is because I've had to go to two different federal judges in Utah and they were just like, I I walked away the first time just like, dang, that guy is awesome. Like, I like him. Like, I mean, technically, I still got freaking like in punisher of victimless crime, but it was just like he wasn't like just like doing whatever the prosecution said and the prosecution wanted so much BS from yeah. him. He, he he like yelled at him and told him he was being stupid and then gave me a lighter sentence or whatever. And then the one after that was just like, really, like, let me just sit there and tell my story to him. And this judge is just like probably the least cool of the three that I've seen, but still 10 times cooler than any state judge that I've seen, which I've seen tons. I mean, not personally. I've never been in state court myself, but I've been in the court room. Right watching like i don't know probably like 10 or 20 state ones and they all suck in new hampshire this judge is certainly better and it it was a difficult situation for me right because i recognize the religious trappings of the court system and the u.s system and the the whole process of standing for the judge and all of that is weird it's so it's so weird and it's so religious it violates my religious rights and my religious beliefs it's like a cult yeah to have to stand there and honor this this robed figure that this priest right it violates every aspect of my of my worldview however i respect this judge because well my the first time of ever being in this judge's courtroom i i went in in business casual just like my attorney told me but it, it was a sleeveless business casual and the judge was not happy about that. He so you wear sleeves in my courtroom. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but he called me out there in the federal court in front of everyone. I was so taken off guard because out of everything I expected that day, that was not among the things I expected. Yeah, and you were observing from the crowd, not like right. 
on the stand or something. Right. I was just out there in the crowd. I, I don't remember why I was there. Oh, it was for, I think. Renee's? I think it was for Renee's sentencing. Yeah. And luckily, my attorney was there. So he asked to approach and he explained to the judge, hey, look, this is Ari Demetso. She's my client. She's trans. So that she's not here in like a tank top as it would appear. This is actual business casual and this is actually appropriate. And then my attorney came and sat back down. Things proceeded as normally. And then at the end of the sentencing hearing, the judge in front of the entire courtroom, Judge LaPlante, apologized to me. For for the situation, you know, that and I've happened. seen him do that before as well, where he kind of scolded somebody, like called somebody out in front of the whole courtroom, and then you know a little bit later he's like, you know what, sorry. Yeah, and it it so. was it was absolutely remarkable to. I mean, it's not easy to say I was wrong and to apologize to someone in the first place, right? That's not easy to do, even if you're even if you're a no one. I work with people all the time. Who can't admit that they were yeah. wrong? That I put the they put the wrong toppings on a pizza. Something that trivial they can admit. But here's a federal judge with all of the powers inherent in that station. Right? He's as close to being a king as one can be in the United States. So he's got all manner of power. He can point at someone in that crowd and have them arrested under the powers of contempt of court. He can. He has wide powers in that courtroom. And despite that, he still managed to maintain enough humility to reflect on his own actions and say, you know, I was wrong in this scenario. I or I jumped to a conclusion. I don't I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he was like he didn't have all of the facts about me being trans and he apologized. It was absolutely not not at all what I would expect from any judge, much less one that was presiding over a federal court. And for that reason alone, yeah, I respect him, but I respect him as an individual, as a person. That doesn't make it any easier for me to stand up for the judge yeah. and that religious ceremony. Well, so because you my, wouldn't do that for other random people that right. you respected, right? Because it's just a weird thing, right? When my attorney and I talked about all of this, he was like, "What? Well, you've already told me you respect the judge. So what's the problem?" I was like, "Well, I respect." I respect him as an individual because, yes, that absolutely earned my respect. Being able to say I was wrong and apologize for that, that's that's not meaningless. That's a huge thing that most people can't even do. So that earns my respect, but it doesn't earn my reverence or, or my worship, which is what the act of standing up for the judges has become in the United States. I don't know about your experience, but in all my experience of being in church, you would be told, please stand, and it wouldn't be for the pastor it was like please stand and then we're gonna do the next thing like praising god it was like standing for god like you weren't just standing for the pastor i never remember like somebody being like and now pastor so-and-so is coming on the stage please clap you know like please stand it was never about him he would ask you to stand so we could do the next like singing or praying or whatever that was like for god so what's worse standing for the judge or standing for the state Right, because that's the equivalent to God in this case. Well, I mean, that's effectively what you're doing when you're standing for the judge, right? You're standing up not for he that individual. If it was just standing up for the individual, right? You know, an individual that I respect enters the room, I'm going to stand up and you know shake their hand or whatever. If that, if that, all things being equal, but when you stand up for a judge, you are standing up for the court and the state and the whole religious apparatus. That apparatus, as Bonnie points out, he the court is the state. So I'm not sure that you can stand for the judge without standing for the state. I think it's one and the same. I don't remember why 
we ever stood up in church, right? I was a little kid then, but there, you certainly did, right? You, everyone came in and you sat down and then I think there was singing in these Southern Baptist churches. And then at some point, someone would say or lead the way in standing up. And I don't remember why. And I don't remember if then you would continue to stand and sing or if you just waited on the pastor to come in and then he would tell you to be seated. What's interesting to me that I remember very clearly about like every church I've been to, and I only went to Baptist once or for, for like a couple years and I was pretty young, so I don't remember that specifically, but it seems like they would always say you may be seated, not like be seated, you know? And I don't remember, I don't remember either. And I don't remember how the judge said, I remember during the trial, you're not standing up for the judge, which was curious enough. You're, you're standing up for the jury. He changed that. that. That's the thing. He was getting embarrassed or whatever by people not standing for him because me and Chris Wade, we were standing at first because you came like a few days in uh, the f- first like week or a little less than a week. He was having us or they would have the like court lady. I don't know who she is. Uh, would have us stand for the jury and then uh, be seated. Then like a couple minutes would pass of nothing. And then she'd be like, please stand for the honorable court. And the judge would come in and we'd be standing for him. But me and Chris Wade, we would stand for the jury every time, but not the uh, judge. And I think that that was becoming embarrassing, you know, like not he didn't want it that way. So he started just coming in while we were standing for the jury in like the second weekend. And I that was strategic. He didn't want it to look like people weren't standing for him. I don't think it was strategic. Uh, when my attorney and I were first talking about this, he, what he one of the things he said to me when I talked about what a problem it would be for me to stand for the judge, he was like, well, in federal court, you don't stand up for the judge anyway. You stand up for the jury. So I suspect in those first few cases, it was just a mistake or he was running late or something. Mm-hmm. But according to my attorney, it's always please rise for the jury. But he, she says a second thing. She says, please stand for the jury. And then if he wasn't in the room yet, she normally would say, please stand for the honorable court. And right. then he'd come in. Like I said, I suspect he was just running late those days or something. I, I don't know. I wasn't there for the first few days. And haven't they not had a case there or an actual trial there in over a year? Yeah, it was like two years. So maybe she just well, not very many a rusty. I mean, not very many um, prosecutions actually go to trial. No, again, it's it's a mess, but that's the way things work. And I'm not alone being the only one, you know, facing sentencing. Most of the defendants in the Crypto Six case have already been sentenced, or one of them had their charges dropped. Uh, nobody, that's Rich Paul, was sentenced to time served. Renee was sentenced, I think, to 12 months of probation, and Andy was sentenced to, I think, 18 18. months, which was strange to me, because they were both, I mean, it's not my call to make, obviously, but their charges were pretty interchangeable, and everything about their circumstances were pretty interchangeable. Actually, I think that he even had a lower score. You know how they get a score? And that's what was so weird about it to me. I actually didn't know that. I'm very surprised to hear that he got longer than she did. He did by six, 50% longer by six months. But yeah, for those who don't know, everyone gets a score. The, the, The U.S. government breaks everyone down into a score. The first number is your criminal history. And everyone falls into, I think there's five different categories of this. I don't remember exactly how many categories there are now, but every single American citizen is one of these groups. And then they look at the, the sentencing or the, the whatever it was you were guilty. I can't think of the term right now. The, the guidelines. Oh, yeah. 
And every single crime has a number associated with it. And that number can vary. Like operating an unlicensed money transmitting business in and of itself, it's like a two. But you get numbers added to that based on the amounts. Like for up to $10,000, you get two added to it. For up to $50,000, you get four added to it and so on. And they calculate all of that. They multiply it by your number of which is based on your criminal history. And then that's that's your sentencing guideline. And I don't remember now what mine is. I want to say it was 19, but I don't remember off the top of my head. And then you look at that up and it corresponds to a certain number of months of a sentence. But it doesn't specify whether it's a prison sentence or a probationary sentence or presumably it could be a mix and match where the judge is like, okay, 36 months, so two years in prison and then a, a year of probation or one year of prison, two years of probation. I don't know. There's a there's a huge berth that the judge can choose to go with. So the goal is to mitigate. That, that's what it's called. It's to come up with reasons why one shouldn't be sentenced to prison or why the judge should be lenient or the prosecutor's job to find out why the judge should you know drop the hammer and send them to prison. And there's all sorts of things that could influence this one direction or the other. And of course, my attorney and I are pursuing as many of them as we can possibly think of. The man pulled up my elementary school transcripts, right? Like my elementary school report cards from first grade and kindergarten and the special notes that the teachers made about whatever. It's exhaustingly exhaustive. And among those other things is seeing a a behavioral evaluative, I don't remember the exact terminology, a therapist who's going to, you know, evaluate me and give a recommendation. And that's, that's what the cause of the delay at the moment, because this process is evidently taking longer than anyone expected, because there's a lot to go through, evidently. But I'm not alone in facing prospective sentencing. Of course, Ian was found guilty a little over two weeks ago. And you can go to letter.freetalklive.com. There's a brief explanation there of what Sisti and Ian are thinking in regard to his sentencing and what if you've ever been impacted by Ian if he's had a positive impact on your life then go to letter.freetalklive.com and consider writing a letter on his behalf there's instructions there on what exactly to do with it and what you should and shouldn't include like it's not it's pointless to go off on a libertarian rant against juries or the federal government not the time yeah that's not what's going on here it's just has Ian has a have a positive impact on you? Letters.freetalklive.com or letter.freetalklive.com. Check that out. There's more coming up here, including the first trans person executed by the government. It's Free Talk Live. Inflation is a real problem. The Federal Reserve's endless printing is eating away your savings. Savvy investors are diversifying into the most stable assets in recorded history, gold and silver. Get yours from bullionmax.com slash FTL without dealing with a salesperson. Your precious metal ship fully insured directly to your home. It's fast. It's easy. Free Talk Live listeners can get a special deal. Employee pricing on Bullion Max's silver starter kit. Just go to bullionmax.com slash FTL. The kit includes five ounces of silver from the world's most popular mints. Plus, you'll get a free gold back. Just go to bullionmax.com slash FTL. It's the perfect time to invest in precious metals, so don't miss this limited-time special offer. Start your new investment with bullionmax.com slash FTL today. bullionmax.com slash FTL. 
It's Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves, 603-283-6160, if you would like to do that. Again, the number 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Nikki. And Bonnie. And I want to tell you about amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. If you value the show and you want, if you support our changes in particular, because we dropped a lot of advertising uh, at the first of the year. We changed the model of the show. As you notice, each break, I mean, each segment now is half an hour-ish, give or take a few minutes, you know. There are six segments of the show now instead of 12, which means we cut the number of commercial breaks in half. And that's to give you more content. And that also means there's a lot fewer, there's many fewer advertisers now, many fewer opportunities to sell advertising. So really, if you like the show, more importantly now than ever, head on over to amps.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. That's our Patreon. So if you value the show and you want us to work interact more closely with you on the show and all of that great stuff. The Amps program is the best way to do it. Instead of having you listen to ads, you can interact with us directly on our Patreon. I, don't, I mean, presumably you could. I don't I don't ever actually check to see if whether or not we've gotten Patreon messages, but I can start doing that if we were to get Patreon messages. I would check them, you know, just to just to do it. So like like we used to get messages on the fa- uh, the Facebook page and all of that, but Facebook's a dying social media. Our TikTok's doing pretty well, and you can interact with me and Bonnie there, but Bonnie and I are the only ones who use the TikTok Free Talk Live. So, you know, if you want to interact with Mark or something like that, your options are limited. Patreon presumably could give you that option. Again, no one's checking the Patreon messages, but, you know, if we were getting them, we could. Still, check it out, amps.freetalklive.com. Chris Cohen here is a silver level amplifier, which means that Chris is giving five bucks per month to the program, and that's all we ask. That gets you in, and that gets you access to the podcast. Presumably, previously, it gave you access to the full podcast, but now there's just the podcast again. And now it's just really, if you value the show and you like it, that's the way to do it. Now, I mentioned that we're doing uh, TikTok TikTok videos now, and we are. There's actually one from last night's show that I need to clip up because it's going to be great, right? Like that part where... Uh, Mark said basically the uh, the only benefit of doing whatever he's did whatever he said you can live on a different plantation that that yep. was the culmination <laughs> what, of Mark. What's his great plan for escaping the plantation that is the United States? Walk on to another plantation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but his plantation's better. Well, yeah, he certainly Allegedly. seems to think so. And you know that that was the gist of the conversation last night. It, oh man, it was a lively conversation where Ian and I both pointed out to Mark accurately. That he has completely lost touch with the life of the average person. <laughs> and he does not understand anymore. Like, Ian said it directly. Dude, you've forgotten where you came from, right? He's the Kim Kardashian of, I, you know. Wasn't she always wealthy, though? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, she was always wealthy. That's true. But I was just saying, as far as being out of touch, I was going to say she, yeah. he's the Kim Kardashian of. Free talk live, but you're right. It should be someone who used to be poor. She was like born rich. Mark That's just is, so funny to think to compare Mark to Kim Kardashian. But it, it's not as it's not as inappropriate as you might think. He he is completely detached from the the suffering of the average person. Right? He he legitimately does not understand why the average person can't just up and move to the Honduras. He, He's Marie like, Antoinette. Yeah, let them eat cake, right? And last night we were pointing out, dude, people are living paycheck to paycheck. 
then he went straight boomer on everyone. It's not my fault they make bad financial decisions and they choose Starbucks. Okay. It's like the it's uh, avocado toast. The uh, the Paris Hilton shirt. Stop being poor. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> I have not. I love she. I mean, she, I, she's funely I think that she's like purposeful. She's like realized she's cognizant of her image. So she wore a shirt that said, Stop being poor. It's really funny. <laughs> Paris Hilton did this. Yeah. yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, it was like in the early 2000s. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to buy this shirt for Mark. <laughs> right. I mean, to, Mark is a great guy. You know, we're laughing at him. He's welcome to call in and defend himself if you want. He, he he can do that. I mean, he's got special ways to do that, right? Where he doesn't have to just call the phone line. But he, he was wrong in this particular subject. And I don't remember how now we got into this particular thing. Nikki was there when he challenged me to an after show. And then he basically, oh, yeah, great. he just said basically... If it doesn't basically he said that the United States has the right to charge you rent, a.k.a. taxes for living here, even though you were just born here and never agreed to because the, they, they rightly own the United States. And it's just like, I don't understand how some not human entity rightly owns the land I live on. And he no. didn't have an answer. Yeah, I don't consent to that. No, of course not. And I do remember how I got onto this subject because we're talking about TikTok because oh. one of the things I'm going to be doing and that I am doing is just I haven't had calls to do it yet is instead of putting all of these videos to TikTok immediately, some of them will go to Patreon first. And oh, you can okay. watch yeah, it there nice perk. before you can see it. Maybe maybe it'll never go to TikTok. I don't know. I, we haven't fully decided yet. But, you know, before I put a, the next video on TikTok, it's going to be available on our Patreon. And then maybe after a few days, I'll actually throw it on the TikTok as well. But some of these will be 100% original content that you've never seen before. Like I was working on a video recently where a friend of mine had given me this flyer that she received. Uh, she lives in the town of Swansea, which is nearby. It was this, do you know what's in your kid's public library sort of flyers? things? Harry Potter. It's so Republican. It's worse than that. There, there's a book called This Book is Gay, apparently. And I, I've got to bring this to you for just so we can have it here in the studio because it's remarkable. Wait, did you get the book? No. Oh. I, I just got a flyer about oh. the book. Yeah. And presumably the argument is that no matter how good they raise their kids to be fine, upstanding, God-fearing Christians... Mm. One gay book will yeah. undo all of that. And that spurred me to create this very short video where I, mimicking a redneck with a country accent, said something to the effect of, uh, how, how, what was it? I don't remember now. It was, uh, Johnny was such a good Christian boy. And then he read one of them books, uh, one of them libraries. And now he's a gay woman named Jenny. Okay. <laughs> And so it had that prelude to it where I was discussing this flyer thing and leading into that, like, this is the perspective that Christians seem to be perpetuating, which is that yeah, everything's all, grooming. Yeah. All of their fine Christian upbringing can just be completely under, not even by reading this book, right? Johnny didn't have to read this book. He just had to go to the public school that happened to contain it in their library. And that was enough to completely undo everything. Otherwise, what harm is this? If this book is in the library... If Johnny's this fine Christian boy, he won't check out the book in the first place, right? He'll he'll just ignore it. It won't affect him. So. Or if he has like the urge to, it's just like I don't know. It seems to me that he's just gay. If yeah, he's just like really possibly. interested, but or, I can I can literally see my grandma from Alabama referring to like a trans woman as gay woman or whatever he said. <laughs> 
gay woman in uh Yeah, yeah I just New don't Hampshire. understand the thinking behind it, right? Like if he, if he's straight and he reads this book, it won't make him gay. Well, and I I think they don't understand what being gay really means. Like if you're straight, you're straight, and if you're gay, you're gay. And you know, there's you know other sexual preferences as well. But you would think they the would book understand this. Like, it. If if they're really just like a straight dude, like every straight dude out there listening to the show right now, if you think you can just be gay if you decide to be. Can you imagine yourself kissing an, another man and being aroused by this and it going anywhere? I mean, you you know that wouldn't work, that you would not be aroused. You would not be interested in this. You would be the opposite of interested in this, and you might actually vomit because <laughs> you're straight, not gay, right? The idea that you can read just a single book or you can just arbitrarily make a decision well i don't want to be straight anymore or johnny can just make a decision that he just doesn't want to be straight anymore it's just complete nonsense it's you know where it stems from the unproven idea that was created like only like two decades ago that your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25 they think like oh your brain's still developing when you're in middle school i mean it's not that it's not but it's just like your subconscious has been built by the time you're six Reading a book, if you're not gay, isn't going to make you gay when you're in, like, middle school. No, I don't think any reading any book at any age is going to make a person gay. This is why I've always stressed to people that, you know, I was wearing the women's clothes and identifying as a woman to the extent that it was possible for me long before I was ever even in, in, in kindergarten. <laughs> long before the wicked ways of the world had any way of corrupting me and turning me away from God and convincing me that I'm actually trans and I want to wear women's clothes. Like long before any of that, I was already trans. And I don't think, I mean, clearly no amount of Christian propaganda and brainwash about how cross-dressing is evil and homosexuality is evil. And all of this is spawn of the devil. And you've got to be turned against it or you're going to hell. None of that turned me into a straight dude. So how hmm. could any of it in the other direction turn someone into a homosexual? To be clear, I wasn't trying to say that it would work if you read the book right. when you were six or younger. It's just like, <laughs> I don't think that it's true that everyone's brain is just undeveloped, moldable Play-Doh until they're 25. Stupid. Now, it's curious how malleable people think other people are. Maybe, maybe it's projection on their parts, but I... Surely they know that they can't be influenced so easily. Like, you can't slip them subtle... You can't put gay people in their sitcom and eventually it's going to turn them gay, right? Like, surely my grandmother knows that no matter how many gay people she sees on TV, she's not going to wake up one day and be a lesbian. Mm. Or or does she think that? Or does, does I she mean, legit- probably. That's probably why they're so afraid of it. <laughs> I honestly don't know, and it's never well, occurred to me to ask until right now. There's lots of those people that are like, they find out someone's gay, and they're like, I don't want to be around them. Like it's contagious or, or something. Or contagious, and also just like, <laughs> they're going to hit on me because I'm a male, and it's just so like, no, stupid. Don't like, flatter yourself. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a certifiable fact that bi people don't have any friends. They, they have only victims. because oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Because you can't be attracted to someone of the same gender and yeah. then and then be friends with them. That's just impossible, right? And that's because, too, 
And I understand where the where these dudes, because it's always dudes who think that, right? That's true. I've I've never met a girl who's like, oh, I don't yeah. want to hang around with that lesbian because she might be attracted to me. It's it's always dudes having the heebie-jeebies about a gay dude, right? <laughs> and I understand where they're coming from to an extent because those are the types of people who are not capable of having of just being friends with a girl. Yeah, especially if they find that person attractive, because to them, the point of a girl is to get in their pants. And if they're not doing that's their goal. They I, I, I pity the girls out there who you read about them and like, you know, yes, getting friends on sucks. But can you imagine being the girl who you thought this person was your friend for the last five years? And it turns out that whole time they were just trying to sleep with you. It's like, God, that's got to stop. But that's the Pretty kind annoying. of that's the kind of guy who you know, thinks that a gay person is going to be attracted to him because to him, every every friend out there is just a potential, you know, sex partner or just a platonic friend because they're the same gender as them or whatever. It's very weird how these people operate. Well, but, go ahead. I was just going to say, one of my ex-best friends was a gay guy and we would always hang out with this straight guy together and the straight guy would not drop it, would not not believe that the gay guy wasn't actually trans. He was like, you obviously just want to be a woman. And it was just like... Why would he think that? It Just because he, just didn't understand? he was gay and like a bottom. He just was like... LRN.FM. Oh my God, oh my God, I've never... <laughs> Been dumped That's before okay. until just now. <laughs> everyone, everyone does it at least once. Well, I remember how angry he would get, right? Because it, it pissed him off, right? And like, it, it is stupid. It's just like if you don't act exactly the way somebody expects you to, they're like, my brain can't process that. You're obviously trans and want to be a woman. You're not just a regular. I mean, he's like a guy into cars and stuff like that. Yeah, just happen to be like a bottom. You no, know, I know a lot of gay men that are they're they're very masculine or even if they're not masculine they're not interested in being a woman like it is it is possible well isn't there like a stereotype that most gay men are like working out at the gym and getting really buff and doing hyper masculine things like lifting Um, weights and stuff i mean i i think that a lot of people think that people think of like the flamboyant gay men Okay. so if it's like a guy working out at the gym they're like oh well you must be secretly straight or something I know a few, I, I have met a few of the flamboyantly gay people, but the vast majority of gay people I know are yeah. are really bisexual. But the few gay people that I know, I, I just wouldn't peg them as gay. Like, I, I'm still not convinced some of them are actually gay. Be- well, you know what's so, like so annoying is like, it's what <laughs> I'm realizing it. right now is like, so many people won't just take somebody's word for what they are because it's like, this so person, weird? he works out of the gym, he... He's both things like, but he, yeah. okay, here, here's the more when annoying I say, part. Is I like, don't believe they're gay. I'm not being sincere, by the way, just to point that out. Yeah. It's just like so shocking that they are. I know some of the people I think that you may be talking about, like, okay, I'm just going to say Chris, Chris Wade. I would have <laughs> never guessed he was gay. No, I, yeah, yeah. absolutely not. But um, I'm like, where, where is your facial cleanser? And he's like, I don't have any. What do you mean you're gay? You have not. There's no facial cleanser anywhere in your house, but, but you're gay. Okay. Oh sure. My <laughs> That's interesting. But, but one thing that was annoying about this best friend, like I lived with him and everything because we'd been friends since our birthday when he turned 15 and I turned 17. And people would constantly say that he probably secretly had a crush on me or that one day we would end up dating. And to me, that was so beyond like me and him we're just both like ew no that's a lesbian like that's what we thought 
That's how we felt. Gotcha. Like, no way. There's literally no way. And so many people would continuously say that to us. It's like, why can't you just believe someone? I don't know. Well, see, that. I mean, speaking of grooming, right? I mean, I'm sure your parents and your your family members, your aunt and uncle, I'm sure all of them were like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's your future boyfriend My or whatever. My mom literally said that right. all the time. Well, yeah. you're, you're five years old. Or, yeah. <laughs> and this happens all the time. Someone, like, here's a little three-year-old playing with a, a three-year-old girl. And yeah, like, talk oh, about the sexualization of children, yeah. right? It's like, uh, no, it's not his little girlfriend. He's three. <laughs> Can you please calm down and stop sexualizing infants? But no. <laughs> You 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 want to have a totally normalish drag show, and that that that's unacceptable. But it's totally okay to have this three year old. Oh, it's this little girlfriend. Okay, well maybe that little kid's going to grow up to be gay, and now you've cost him you know five years of therapy that he otherwise wouldn't have to go to because you're cramming him into your heteronormative world. Well, and that is a good point. I think the. The straight grooming, I guess I could call it for lack of a better term, is more detrimental for children than whatever gay propaganda these people think they're being exposed to. Because, because it's, it's so acceptable. pervasive? Well, it's, it's acceptable to be straight, right? But a lot of these people are cramming it into kids' head like, if you're gay, you're going to go to hell and you know you can't do this, you can't do that. And I think... That is more detrimental for children's mental health. And that's why a lot of gay and trans people struggle with, I mean, everyone probably struggles with their mental health, but I'm sure there's a higher rate of depression and suicide and things like this in people that are gay or trans because of all of the societal pressures and pressures from family and religion and you know, yeah. social norms. It's just so weird to me that people will have kids and instead of being like excited to find out who this person is, like they want to make the person what they want it to be. Like it seems like 90% of parents are like that. Well, they want to live vicariously through their children. You know, it's like a second chance. It's like, well, yep. I screwed up my life. So, you know, it's this. Let me you, screw up my kids now. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you better become a doctor and, you know, it's, it's, you make a good point about the, the way that straight normalization is just like pushed on everyone. Like I think of the movie, the little mermaid Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's a totally innocuous movie. I don't mean to pick on the movie, but the Disney movie, it's about a woman being in love with the man, which is fine. Right. Don't get me wrong. However, if you swap that around just a little bit and I don't know, you make the mermaid black, that's going to upset everyone. But if you do, if you do a different thing and you make her not in love with the man, but in love with the woman, suddenly, oh no, Disney's grooming kids, right? It's grooming kids to have the Little Mermaid be about a a woman loving another woman, but it's not grooming if it's a man. And it's just like Christians, where their worldview, Christianity, is so ubiquitous throughout the United States that they literally cannot see it, right? They literally do not see how Christianity has affected the United States. Like, literally, a federal holiday has your God's name in it. Christmas, yeah. right? And they're like, no, Christians are under attack in the United States. We're losing ground. Atheists control everything, and Christ is getting pushed out of the schools and out of the out of the government when, like, literally, there has never been an American president who who described himself as an atheist. If you If you describe yourself as an atheist, you're never going to become president. And well, probably soon, maybe, but not so far. Maybe, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And it's because Christianity is just pervasive throughout the United States, where your abnormal 
for not believing in God. And you say that, and we all automatically think of the Christian God. Right. Mm -hmm. It would annoy me so much in like middle school, even when I was a Christian, I would be so confused about when people said that... It's like a really complex thing to describe. Like people would be like, I'm not, I don't believe in God and say something where they would be specifically talking about the Christian God as if that is the God. I was, it was so confusing. It's like, you believe that the Christian God is God, but you don't believe in him. It's so confusing well, it, to me. If I stopped being Christian, that would mean that I stopped believing that the Christian God was God. If you believe the Christian God is God, aren't you scared of going to hell? Well, I think people, it's just the conditioning. So yeah, it's just normalized. It Cause even that's how I feel now. I don't, really describe myself as a Christian, but I still think of the Christian God as God just because that's how I was raised. And it's kind of hard to uncondition yourself from that, you know? Yeah, it's pervasive throughout the United States. And and the straight thing is the same sort of way where it's just, it's everywhere and it's so common that it's it's invisible it's just mm-hmm. like a, a sea of you know straight christians everywhere and it's so normalized that you look out and you don't see the straight christians you see everything else well and i also want to point out i was so i i was kind of introduced to this because i was talking to one of my coworkers who's from africa and she was expressing to me that they still where she's from they literally if you're gay you will be stoned Like they throw rocks at people and it was just so mind blowing to me because, you know, I grew up in a family that was totally not homophobic. I had several gay family members like it was just totally normalized. I wasn't exposed to much homophobia as a child. So just to think of and she's telling me she's like, I'm so afraid that my daughter is going to be a lesbian because she's 25 and doesn't have a boyfriend yet and all this stuff. And I was just straight up like she probably is. What, (laughs) What if your daughter is a lesbian? What are you going to do? Are you going to throw rocks at her? Have you seen no, the, seriously? Have you seen the Why Are You Gay video from Yes, well, that's all I could yeah, think the, of. Yeah. I haven't seen it. That's literally all I could think of when we were having this conversation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to take you seriously. Just And it was it was sad. Because I'm it like, is. in other countries, they're still literally murdering people. And does she think that's better? Like, does she think that's a think better she, way to live? Like, I don't think she... I don't think she was really like condoning it and saying like, or I don't think she was saying that it was okay, but she was just trying to kind of let me know about where she comes from and how it is over there. Yeah, But But she was still very disappointed that her daughter might be a lesbian. My point is just like, what does she want? Like, does she 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 not realize that will get that that kind of mindset will get you to, you know, one day stoning gay people? (laughs) Like, obviously, it's happened before. It's just that, you know, that disconnect. People yep. don't get it. They're like, well, you know, I, w- I won't kill you, but you still can't be gay. So you have to pretend to be straight and be super depressed your whole life and, and you be miserable. Yourself. Oh, yeah, you know what exactly. blows my mind like the most? Like, I don't understand people who they don't want there to be just like gay pride at all, even if it doesn't affect them. Like a gay pride parade happened in Keene. I don't know if it was even a parade because I wasn't there, but it was a gay pride day in Keene and somebody told me they were upset about it. And the thing that confuses me the most is this: the person had told me that their ex-husband of many years came out as gay and it ruined their family. And That's like, why. That sucks, but if, why don't they understand that if people were allowed to be fine with being gay from the start, they wouldn't have to hide behind a ex or a wife and ruin somebody's life because they were married for, you know, 10 years or That's whatever, had kids. Why wouldn't you, why would it be the opposite? Like, if... Ugh, 
I don't know, if people aren't allowed to be just main, you know, it doesn't even have to be proud, just like, you know, not ashamed of being gay, then situations like that would not happen. I agree entirely. I think that we should be more inclined to accept other people as they are and as they present themselves. I I don't see what the big problem is with that, but you do absolutely have these people who are like, I can't be friends with that guy. He's gay, or he gives me the heebie-jeebies, or I don't want him to hit on me, or let some guy hit on me. I'll punch him out, you know? (laughs) It's like, okay, thanks, thanks. No one's going to hit on you, though, because you're a disgusting human being. is the reason that other people are having to hide from themselves. Coming up, what are the feds teaching in diversity training? Whether or not men can get pregnant, that and more, it's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. And we're changing a lot with the show. I would say, unofficially, this hour is brought to you by Bully and Max. Now, obviously, the way that we... Bully and Max is an older advertiser, so they haven't signed up with the whole this hour is brought to you by sort of thing. But that's what we, we'd like to move forward toward because that, that makes more sense to us as a show. And it gives us a stronger focus. It allows for a stronger cohesion. Like Call of Freedom, we used to have what was called the Crypto Hour each day where we talked about cryptocurrency news and things like that. And that hour in particular was sponsored by... Some cryptocurrency. I want to say it was Vertcoin, but it wasn't Vertcoin. It was someone else. Well, I've never even heard of that. Vertcoin was uh, interesting. They they were interesting. I don't remember the specifics now. This was a long time ago. I remember Divi. That's uh, far back as I remember. Yeah, Divi was Free Talk Live. Uh, Call to Freedom had oh. Vertcoin oh. and uh, something else. Anyway... And that particular hour was always brought to you by that particular cryptocurrency. And it sort of gave a cohesion. Anyway, bullionmax.com. I received the email today that they have shipped my free silver back. And Yay. I would not have become aware of this if Ian hadn't pointed out that he received the email. <laughs> because for whatever reason, Bullion Max's emails are going directly into my spam folder. And I tend to not check that. But uh, they did re- send it out today, so presumably it should arrive. And also included is a bonus, a, a little surprise bonus for me. I, I don't know what it could possibly be. I'm assuming it's a gold back, but that's a pricey additional prize. But then again, the silver back here is valued at $10. So, I mean, it doesn't have $10 worth of silver in it. It's got fractions of a penny of silver in it, I think. I don't remember the exact amount, but... It's hmm. valued. If you wanted to buy, I'd buy that for ten dollars. If you want to buy a silverback online at bullionmax.com, you can do that. By the way, it was going to cost you ten bucks. That's the MSRP on it. So if they're already giving me a ten dollars silverback, maybe they did throw in a four dollar ish goldback. I do. I cannot imagine what else they would it, have included. It has to be something small because I just pulled up mine. It says we can't tell you what it is here, which is kind of weird. <laughs> uh, it makes me laugh. But then it says. You have to open the package to see. Check inside 
left flap of the silverback holder, which is probably that plastic thing. So it has to be something huh. small and possibly flat. So I think you could be onto something. I, I don't know. I, I will let people know as soon as I get it. I'm, I guess I'm expecting it within the next few days. I don't remember. I ordered the bullionmax.com slash FTL silver starter kit. Which is the their silver starter kit? You get five pieces of silver at employee pricing. It's a fantastic deal, one per household. So I can't order a second one, sadly, even though I would like a second one. However, I seem to recall that arrived pretty quickly after I finally because I remember talking about it and I wanted to order it, and it took me weeks to actually remember to go home and order it. And then I finally did, and I received one. I, I want to say fairly quickly, and I still have it, and it's. It's some of my prized silver pieces. I don't have a whole lot of silver, but I do have some silver. And of the pieces that I have, those are the ones that I would show someone if they came over, right? Now, the silver that I have that I wouldn't show people, like that I bought from Silver Day or whatever, it's not as pretty. It's it's silver, sure, and it, it does exactly what you would want silver to do, but it's like literally just a chunk of silver. Hmm. So. I have some coins from Silver Dave. So some of his is pretty cool, but I know what you mean about the, the chunks I've seen. Yeah, th- this is just a, a, a silver bar, basically. And, you know, it does exactly, it's exactly what it said on the tin. That's exactly what I wanted it for. But it's not going to be something I show to someone if they want to say, hey, I heard you like going to silver. Like, yeah, look at this beautiful piece, right? Mm-hmm. I went, Here's a chunk of silver. Enjoy. But. The silverback is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Is they com- they partnered with like I think they were called Black Dragons or something, some company that did the artwork. I don't remember. But bullionmax.com slash FTL, you can get the Wyoming goldbacks. They're the new Wyoming goldbacks. I still have to order some of these because I have a full set of the Utahs, the Nevadas, and lots and lots of the New Hampshires. Through fluke, I've ended up with a lot more of the Utahs than I did anything else and a lot more of the Nevadas, but I prefer the New Hampshire's, but I want a full set of each, right? Just not not for the collector because it's literal gold, so it's useful to me, but because they're beautiful, I like the art aspect of it. So mm-hmm. I, for love, the- I love gold probably more than silver, but I just think that this silver is so cool because it has like the pretty design on it and it's like flat so you can see a lot. Like, a little piece of silver is not very interesting. A big, flat piece is so cool. I don't know. I tend to think... I, I think silver is prettier than gold, honestly. <laughs> Me too. If I had to choose between the two. I'm definitely a gold person. Like, I think that my skin is probably slightly more cool. Like, I think it's kind of on the neutral side. Like, I always have to buy neutral foundations. But I think it's a little more cool and probably should... I should have gotten a silver wedding ring, but I just love gold so much more, so... I was going to say, I could see you wearing a yeah. silver necklace that would fit better than a... That would look match your complexion better or complement your complexion better than a gold one. But I mean, with the ring, get whatever ring you want. Right. 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 Exactly. I didn't think that it was going to be so like, oh, it's clashing with your skin. It was just like maybe silver would be like technically like if some professional looked at me and, and decided which one. I just love gold. It's Isn't so pretty. Isn't that such a, uh, such a weird concept? Like, oh, like you're this is what you're supposed to wear because of your skin tone and your undertones and I'm the professional that's going to tell you. Well, what is no. a professional though, right? Uh, one of the earliest pieces of advice I got about makeup was if you have blue eyes, never, ever, ever wear blue eyeshadow. But I do it all the time, and it works just fine. So, I mean, what, yeah, what do you're they supposed know? to wear? Yeah, there's like certain eyeshadow colors. Like if you have green eyes, you're supposed to wear gold or brown because it makes your eyes pop. 
But, yeah. But what did they know? It, well, everything's different for each person. I think that those those things like can be helpful in a certain way, but it's like people have changed their opinions on what to do with makeup so many times in the last like decades. It's like getting better and better all the time. Excellent point. Let's go to the phones, however, because that is what we do here on Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. We have Major Payne on the line from Michigan. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, Bonnie, as far as your wedding ring conundrum and gold, I would suggest white gold. No. I I know what you mean. I I like that, too, and it's pretty, but I just like the color of the gold. And it's not not replicatable, right? It's only so nice when it's actual gold. Like, you can't see a picture of gold. You can't see something that's colored gold and it be as amazing as real gold. Well, and I think with the emerald ring, I think gold goes better with that. Thank you know, it, it, it pairs nicely. You were talking about it clashing with your skin, and it's a little lighter tone of gold. That was, I guess, my my point. But uh, well, to a certain extent, you, you want things that come clear? that you know clash with your skin, right? You you wouldn't want a color of ring, and like if your skin is more goldish, you wouldn't want a gold ring because it would blend in too much with your skin, or it'd be too similar, but just. Or just wrong enough to to lo- not look good. This this is why they suggest blue eyed people shouldn't wear mm-hmm. blue eyeshadow because if if the shades are close but not quite right, it clashes. Yeah, I think that so many like older people give you advice about makeup or 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 jewelry and stuff like that because like you don't want to look strange and it's like people don't care anymore about that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, why ever would I want to look strange? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think people care about that at all. Like, people now completely draw thick lines of eyeliner on their face, and it's, you know, normal. doesn't look strange to anyone. Some people do entire paintings on their face with, like, makeup and stuff, and it, some of it looks fantastic. Like, I wouldn't wear it, and I wouldn't <laughs> want to spend eight hours doing my makeup ever, much less, like, even if they only do it once a year, it's like, God, man, that's... I yeah. there I would literally rather do anything else than eight hours of makeup. That's why but, I can't be goth. Yeah, I, I do my makeup the same way almost every single day, and I've got it down to us to an art or a science or whatever, whichever one makes the most sense for me to take like five minutes to do it. That's that's, how, that's, that's how what I feel is. too, and I still sometimes I'm like, ugh, I don't want to go upstairs and do my makeup right now. And, and then sometimes it's like relaxing. Sometimes I do it like for fun and like do more. But as far as just like my everyday stuff. Yeah, I have it down. Something like, tells really me quick. that uh, Major Payne probably didn't call in to yeah. talk about makeup. <laughs> I was going to ask if he had any makeup <laughs> advice, but I'm assuming he doesn't. Well, the, only, the only thing I would say is every man appreciates a good-looking woman wearing a modicum of makeup. But I have seen some girls wearing so much war paint. <laughs> it's like, when are you going to when are you going to jump the res? You know. Jump the res? Does that mean like some... Yeah, that's what, the, that's what they call it when the Indians go off the reservation. To fight oh. or something? Oh. Okay. Too much war paint. Too much war paint. Okay. I've war never considered okay. makeup to be war paint, but... Well, I mean, you think I mean, about yeah. it, they're all good stuff, it's not inaccurate. It's a war I, out there. I just never really. It can be right. I mean, especially if you ask the the zennials and the zoomers out there who are like too terrified to make eye contact with the guy to bar. Like, this is a war zone. I got PTSD now. I actually wore blue eyeliner the night I met Ian or um, eyeshadow, and oh, I remember really? oh, I was. So it works. I was doing my makeup, and my roommate. I didn't tell her like what I was doing, and she. I was because I was going with my male friends because I feel like my female friend who's like my age or a little bit younger than me, me might be like 
you don't want to go meet a guy that's dangerous because that's how people are nowadays. Like especially right, girls. Let me, let me try to get where I was going here, will you? Okay. <laughs> so, what you guys were all talking about earlier. I got a Webster's Dictionary of Quotes. To reiterate, that was about uh, homosexuality and just the normalization of Christianity and straight people throughout the United States. I'm coming to the index, and the closest word I could find dealing with what you guys are talking about is morality. Okay? So the first quote I got from me, I got about four of them. And the last one, I think, is probably one of the better ones. The first one's from Ernest Hemingway. I know only that what is moral is what you feel good after. And what is immoral is what you feel bad after. That's a pretty All good right? way of looking at it. Like, if you that's, feel guilty afterward, then you no. did something immoral. I don't know. Some people yeah. are psychopaths and never feel guilty after killing someone. That's true. And the first time I had any sort of sexual activity with a guy, I felt so much guilt afterward. Mm-hmm. But but that, that was because of religious programming and not because of any morality or immorality. So I, I don't All know right, about well, that one. The next one's from Samuel Johnson, who I know not who the man is, but there's a lot of old names in here. I do not know who these guys are. They teach the morals of a whore and the manners of a dancing master. That just kind of made me go, hmm. So the next one is from Thomas. It sounds like Martin Luther kind of thing. You said that was Samuel Johnson? No, Samuel Johnson. That's the dude's name. I'm gonna. Anyway, look, I'm, next, I'm just looking up him real quick because that sounds like something that like Martin Luther, the former Christian, would have. Um, the the Christian the figure would one, have said who left Catholicism. Next one is from Thomas, Thomas Babington Macaulay, which is a would I would assume would be an Irish implant to England. Maybe because he says we know of no spectacle so ridiculous as the British public in one of its periodical fits of morality. That one just made me laugh. That's what's going on right now with the right-wingers. They're having a periodic fit of morality with the whole groomer <laughs> and trans drag thing, yeah. show thing. It's so right, stupid. So the, it it is amazing one. to me. Hold on, Major. It is amazing to me that like on the Free Talk Live TikTok that we talked about, um, the, the drag queen story that we did, despite having been banned and then brought back, is sitting at like 15,000 views or something like that. And none of the other videos we did, like the AI art video that I that I put up recently, I was sure that was going to be at least as successful because it's such a hot topic right hmm. now. But it only got about 10% of the views. It's sitting at somewhere around 1,500 right now. It's just the drag queen, the the moral panic around drag queens right now, It's it's real. It's pervasive. It's out there and... People are freaking out about it. Moral panic is a great word because it's like it's like the satanic panic, in yeah. it, but this time it's drag queens. Panic at uh, the drag show. You're going to like this next one. This one, next one is just a short but a sweet. It's from H.G. Wells. Moral indignation is jealousy with a halo, he says. Hmm. Yeah, I'd All have right, to give that one some thought a bit because, you know, it's, it's deep, I suppose. Yeah, it is. It is. The, the last one, and I think this one's pretty good. This is from Alfred North Whitehead. What is moral in any given time or place? It is what is the majority then and there happen to like. And immorality is what they dislike. I don't know. I, I can't agree because it's like. that. That is herd mentality, and that is what 
drives the damn bus. But is it the truth? Is it really what morality is? I don't think it is. I think it's just what those people are using to justify it. Any given time or place. No, I get what it's saying. I mean, people once, you know, adv- felt like slavery was okay, but I would still argue that that didn't make slavery moral. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. I feel that morality is objective, not subjective, but some people vehemently disagree. I, d- I think it's subjective, but I think the standards by which I determine what is and isn't moral transcends a given time or space, and that is based more on principles and compassion than it is anything else Uh, to me that's the subjectivity of it yes i i determined that this thing is moral or this thing is immoral and i don't think that's coming to me from a god or some external source or whatever i think it's 100 subjective but i could be wrong i guess in that way i could see why it would be called subjective because i think that it comes from me but it comes from different parts of me than i mean parts of me that are you know like ancient like your dna is basically like i mean you're you're you were inside your like grandmother at one point because mm-hmm. your mom's yeah. eggs were all formed before she was born. Like yeah, you're you're part of your ancestors, you're part of the universe and I I don't think that it's I I don't think that slavery could have ever been fine if the whole world agreed that it was fine, you know? I agree entirely. Very very well said, Bonnie. It's certainly a difficult thing to say what is and isn't more like most people right now are totally fine with, you know, uh, widespread industrialized animal farming mm-hmm. and the, or or they at least turn a blind eye to it because they, they don't want to look at it but like we're going to be judged by that future generations are going to look at the tyson factory farms and they're going to judge us as at least as badly as we judge the the slave owners from the 18th century and the 17th century or the 16th whatever century i'm thinking of but the People's morals change over time, but that doesn't make what society deems to be moral or immoral changes over time. But I don't think that has any impact on what actually is and isn't moral. I think a good moral compass is just compassion and empathy. Let that be your moral compass. If you need anything more than empathy to be a moral compass, then then you're probably immoral in the first place. Like I don't need a God to tell me what is and isn't moral. I don't need a Bible because I have empathy and I can empathize with other people and their suffering and go okay well that would be immoral because i wouldn't want it done to me do unto others as you would have them done as you would have them do unto you as christ said and his countless other religious figures have said to me that works just fine as a guidepost for morality but well said uh, i agree but people disagree on this and this is what I don't understand about Christians who think that, you know, without without God or without the Bible or without Christianity, we we would all be doing this or that. It's like, really? That, that, that's a weird way of saying that you have no internal moral yeah. compass. Well, and that's the thing. If you need the threat, you know, the fear of God to be a good person, that means you're not a good person. Excellently said. And thank you so much for the call tonight, Major. But things that are not so excellently said are the any, pretty much anything coming from the federal government. But I've got this article here about what the feds are teaching in diversity training. And I i don't know how to feel about this. Right? What is Be- diversity training, first of all? It's where they train you how to how to tolerate and accept and how to work with people who are trans or LGBTQ or black or whatever minority one wants to insert, right? It's training you to to adapt to diversity in the workplace. And I'm torn on the subject because on the one hand, 
yes, I think it's silly for anyone to spend money having a seminar about men getting pregnant. On the other hand, this is the federal government. And if there is any institution to which I am going to allow absolutely no slack when it comes to how they treat minorities, it's going to be the federal government, right? My own personal experience with people is I don't care if an individual out there wants to call me a male or wants to call me he, him, whatever, I, I don't care. I, I would rather they not do that, but that's their right, and I'm not going to argue with them, and I'm not going to spend any time trying to convince them otherwise. It shows you who they are. Sure. But when it comes to the federal government, they don't get that same slack because they're tyrants, they're thugs, they put a gun to people's heads, they do what they do through the application of force and violence. And... Anywhere where they have, where they can be held accountable, had their feet held to the fire, I think is somewhere where one should hold their feet to the fire. So I don't know how to feel about diversity training. In general, I think it's silly and useless and it's probably not doing any good. But when it comes to the federal government, I don't know. I kind of want them wasting their resources on this. Right. And That's what I was thinking too. I wouldn't want an employer out there to be forced to say that a man can get pregnant. But I'm okay with the government being forced to say that and government employees being forced because their entire livelihoods are around forcing other people to do and say certain things. So let's get into it here. Asking an Asian person person for math help is a microaggression, according to um, this article here from the Washington Free Beacon, which I've never heard of before. Presumably this is because... Uh, stereotypically, Asian people are good at math. Yeah, I'm assuming that's where they're going with that. But what if I'm just asking people in general for help with math? Like, I ask five people for help with math, and one of them happens to be Asian. It's like a horribly worded thing. I think it's it should have said something like, joking that an Asian person would be better at math for being Asian is a microaggression. But But that's not what they mean, though. They mean even asking an Asian person, which is what's... I've seen this happening a lot where people are trying so hard not to be racist that they come full circle and they're being even more racist than regular racist people. That's a good point. Because going like, I will not ask her that question because I might be seeming racist is like, they're probably sitting there like, why didn't they ask me? Yeah, it's like, just be a normal person. Like, It's just strange to me that people need to be taught these sort of things, you know? I mean, I think the point you're making is that if you're if you're asking someone for help with math, but you don't ask this person the same question that you would ordinarily ask everyone else, and you don't ask them that because they're Asian, yeah, that's a microaggression. Then that's definitively racist. You yeah, are yeah. you are treating them differently because of their race, and yep. I I don't know how else to characterize that except being racist well and like bonnie said it's like if okay if you're gonna assume that someone is good at math because they're asian okay yeah that is you know making a stereotype whatever that could be considered racist but what about assuming that someone is good at math because they're from a culture that encourages hard work and tends to push their kids toward excellence as Mm -hmm. asian culture tends to do i or i i don't know right maybe you should just know something about the person like you know what I mean? Like, if you don't know anything about this person, you just assume they're good at math. That's crazy. Like, for <laughs> all you know, crazy. they're like third generation and their parents don't care about any of that. You know, 
Also, reverse racism does not exist and men can get pregnant. This discussion is coming up about how the federal government is being trained to be diverse. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you. That's 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. And government schooling is a failed institution. One out of five graduates are functionally illiterate. To give you an example, I remember when we discussed this and we, we actually spent several minutes trying to figure out whether or not it should be one out of five graduates is functionally illiterate, <laughs> right? Like it's and 75%, maybe it was the other one, 75% of high school students are unhappy. Oh, I, I don't remember exactly which sentence it was, but like we're not functionally illiterate by any means here at Free Talk Live, but like... The education system failed us so badly that we had to sit down and be like, wait a minute, wait, we need to Google this to make sure we're doing it correctly because the education system in the United States, it sucks. So much so that 19% of high school students are considering suicide. Stop subjecting your children to this craziness. Your kids can have the same education available at Oxford at an affordable price. A highly acclaimed and globally known educator launched an online academy called the Socratic Experience, where students learn through philosophical dialogue and are engaged in a highly social and inspiring learning environment. The Socratic Experience nurtures your child's unique genius. Mention Free Talk Live and get 20% off your first year's tuition. Go to socraticexperience.com slash FTL. That's socraticexperience.com slash FTL to download the Parents' Guide. We're grateful to be sharing such a significant discount with your listeners. That's 20% off your first year's tuition because I suspect most of the people out there listening, they're not fans of public education either. I, I never lose an opportunity to rail against public education. Like today, as I mentioned earlier, I had to meet with an evaluative therapist again and Sure enough, at some point in there, you know, I was asked about school. And I was like, well, I liked school for the first few years, after which the curriculum was so repetitive mm-hmm. and so tedious that it stopped being engaging and I stopped paying any attention to it and my grades began declining. It's not because I got dumber as I got older. It was because, okay, we learned multiplication last year. Yeah, but yeah. Can like, you teach me something new? You probably got it right away. And majority of majority of the kids whose parents didn't help them or who just weren't naturally as intelligent as you or whatever just didn't get it right away. I remember when we first started learning multiplication too, and I felt the same way. Like I felt like we've been doing this forever. I know all of these by heart and other kids haven't even started to grasp the concept yet. Like why? Why do I have to keep doing multiplication forever? Well, and that's the point. You're only like the group is only as strong as the weakest link. So if they're it's really just holding children back and those children that aren't as intelligent really need more one on one. Absolutely. You know, need more one on one education. So even the, the dumber kids, I don't, that's kind of mean, but whatever. 
Well, it's, it's holding a, everyone back. It's it's not large classroom sizes aren't really good for anyone. I don't think. And when I was a kid, starting in like fifth grade, they would break us into like the advanced kids, the medium kids, and the slowest kids that needed the most help. And that was helpful because like we'd be reading higher level books in our reading classes and doing mm-hmm. be- better math than, than the slowest kids. But they have now decided that that's racist. And they don't have advanced and medium. They, everyone's the same. It's like that is doing exactly what Nikki said and making everyone as slow as the slowest kid. Well, and what happens is the more intelligent kids, they're not stimulated. So like Arya said, you know, your grades start declining because you're not paying attention. You're doing other things. Why should you pay class. attention? Right. You know, exactly. So like I remember in high school, I skipped class all the time because I was bored and I would go hide in the library and read. You know, I wasn't doing anything bad. I was just trying to learn. So I'm like, I'll read all these history books and all this other stuff because what I'm learning, I I know geometry. I'm not going to that class. I want to learn something new. I want to be stimulated. And I think a lot of children and teens are feeling that way. I think English classes are probably one of the worst examples I can think of because I got excellent grades in all of my English classes long after I stopped paying attention. Like my ninth grade English class, I passed with the 100 and I literally just sat at the computer writing a novel every single day. And the the justification for that was that while I was doing English and I was demonstrating a mastery of the concepts without having to actually do those particular assignments. Well, while everyone else was, you know, where do you need to use a comma in this sentence? I was over there writing a book that was it was terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure it was terrible. There's no surviving comma. Enough for your comma. Age. Yeah. But I knew where to put the comma. Right. And, it's like if you don't if you're in the ninth grade and you still don't know how to use a comma, then another year of it's not going to help you. Mathematics was the same way. It wasn't until my ninth grade year of of schooling that we actually got into new concepts in mathematics. And that was when I took, I think, geometry. I think other than that, it was all just multiplication, division, and some variables here and there. Pre-algebra, algebra, all of that, multiplication. Prior to that, it was the same crap year after year. Yeah, it started with addition and subtraction in first and second grade or whatever. But why in the sixth grade were we still learning multiplication, addition, and subtraction? The students who had mastered it three years ago were bored out of their minds. But because some people didn't get it the first time, they had to get it hammered into their head again. And you know what? Those same people are adults now and they still don't get it. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe the math just isn't what they should be f- spending any moment of their time on. Like some people will never need math in their life. They're masters at something else, though, and they're productive members of society. It's like, why can't kids just be like, you know, I'm not getting this math thing. I'm going to opt out of this class and spend my time on all English or, you know, whatever. That would have been fantastic, but no, that's not the way the public school system is set up. I mean, the public school system, as I understand it, it was designed to be as factory-like as possible, to churn out kids who are as, to be unthinking, autonomous, smart enough to follow orders and dumb enough to quit and dumb enough to follow them, I think is, dumb enough and smart enough to just follow orders, I think is what I'm trying to say. And the Socratic experience, presumably, will help you Educate your kids in a way that is better than the public school system. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that could do that's worse. Yeah, literally. <laughs> because the public school system is such a complete waste of time. I don't know anyone who looks back on their life, man, thank God I had that 
public education that got that high school diploma to see me through life because it really prepared me for the trials and tribulations ahead. It just, it hasn't happened. And I don't think it will ever happen. But before we get into that, we were talking about the Free Beacon article here about diversity training among the feds. And among those were asking an Asian person for math help is a microaggression. Reverse racism does not exist and men can get pregnant. Reverse racism, is that racism against white people? Yes. Wow. I would suggest that reverse racism also does not exist because there's just racism. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not reverse racism. It's just racism. Right. But that's because we're we're part of the the new racism definition, people. We're like, it's racist to do that. And it doesn't have any of the superiority or inferiority aspects to it. It's like treating this Asian person as different as being better at mathematics is racist, according to my worldview. And I presume the two of you feel the same way. Whereas under the classic definition, that's not considered racist because you're not saying they're inferior because of their race. You're mm-hmm. saying they're superior. But to me, it's still racist. These are just a few of the lessons imparted to government workers in diversity trainings and presentations in 2021, according to documents obtained by the Wall Street Journal. The materials summarized in a December 30th editorial show how once fringe ideas have saturated the federal bureaucracy from the Department of Veteran Affairs to NASA and the military. One NASA training states that efforts to be colorblind actually limit us. And I understand where they're coming from with this. I don't know if I agree or disagree because I haven't given it that much thought. And honestly, there there are bigger fish to fry in in my life than than whether or not being colorblind is a good thing or a bad thing. But the idea is that if you're colorblind, then you don't recognize the disadvantages that black Americans have had foisted upon them by the institutions of the United States. That's the idea behind that. And because you're colorblind, you don't recognize the hardships that they've had to deal with. And that's a bad thing. I agree with that. And I also think it's important to celebrate other cultures and, you know, even celebrate other, you know, other appearances like skin colors and all sorts of things. I think treating everybody the same is never a good thing or very rarely a good thing, I should say. I just I don't want to go into life assuming every black person that I see has been oppressed in their life because like most of them or not most of the ones I've ever talked to about the subject will tell me like a friend of mine that went to high school with me like never ever felt different for being black in her life like it it just it depends on the person that, that that's the thing for me it's racist to treat someone like a certain way based on their color because you're not treating them as an individual person like the next black person I talked to could probably say yeah I felt you know, you know, oppressed by my whole town the whole time. I mean, I, I've heard, heard, you know, yeah, stories both ways, but it depends on the person, not their race. Uh, I'm not my race. I, and it's so weird to think of that. Like, the idea that people would just think of me as just white is so freaking weird. Like, I'm just like all other white people. Like, I've never just felt like, oh, me and other white people, when I see them, I'm like, thank God there's a white person here. Like, I don't think about that with other white people at all. Like, I don't know. It probably varies a lot from one place to the other. Uh, I, I imagine that some that a black person in like Robinsonville, that's Tunica, Mississippi, is going to have a very different experience from a black person in like Keene, New Hampshire. So I, I imagine they do feel more oppression and more racism uh, in certain places. But that that certainly doesn't suggest that every single black American 
has had to give up their seat on the bus, right? Not every black person is Rosa Parks and not every trans person is, I can't think of a famous trans person. Caitlyn Jenner wants it to be her, but it is so (laughs) definitively not Caitlyn Jenner that I don't know what What? to say. I thought she was the spokesperson for all trans people. (laughs) I mean, obviously you're being facetious. (laughs) I don't know a single trans person that's like, oh, thank God Caitlyn Jenner is up there talking on our behalf. Every single one of them is like, no, look, Caitlyn Jenner doesn't have she doesn't represent us she doesn't we have no common ground with her aside from the fact that we we both are trans that that's the full extent of what we have in common but i mean caitlin jenner she wants it to be her she wants to be the rosa parks of the trans movement but she i don't even get it so isn't maybe it's just a rich person complex like been rich their whole life and they don't understand what you know it's like you know to be a normal person the best example of Caitlyn Jenner being being this way is when Donald Trump said that any trans person can use whatever bathroom they want in his establishment. It's like, cool, great, right? At the same time, the reason that this was even being discussed was because the state of North Carolina mm-hmm. or South Carolina or West Virginia or Virginia, one of these states in the southeastern part of the United States had just passed a law that tra- that people have to use the public restroom that is denoted on their birth certificate. So if your sex said male, then you had to use the men's room in this state. Even though there's no such thing as an actual public restroom, there are only privately owned restrooms, and it's up to that private property owner to determine what the rules are on their bathroom. But let's put that aside, and let's let's forget about how Republicans were tramping over private private property rights because it was convenient to them to push their agenda. This state had this rule that if you were had female on your birth certificate, you had to use the women's room. And if you had men, you had to use the men's room. Instead of going to this state where she would have actually had something at risk, instead of making a show of going, I'm Caitlyn Jenner, I'm a trans woman, and I'm going to North Carolina to use the women's restroom at this Arby's or whatever. And if I get arrested by police, then so be it. And I will fight that fight. Then instead of doing that, she went to Trump Tower in Vegas. <sighs> And use the women's room there, knowing full well. It had nothing to do with Trump. No, well, it didn't matter whether it did or not. Trump had already said that trans people in his buildings could use whatever bathroom she wanted. She wanted to be Rosa Parks, but she would only sit on the bus where she was already told that she could sit wherever she wanted. That's so weird. I never even heard that story. She did it. She made a great big, she made a video showing her walking into Trump Tower to go or whatever property it was to go in there and use the women's room. But like, it's so embarrassing. But like he had just said, and the whole reason she was doing it because he had said that she could do it instead of going to North Carolina, where it would have actually created a scene where it could have actually caused a problem where she could have done something to actually fight for the rights of trans people. So anyway, she wants it to be her, but it isn't her. I don't remember how I got into that at this point. We're saying not every black person is Rosa Parks. Yes. Yeah. And not every trans person is whoever. Yeah. And like the idea of being black and people treating me that way when I don't feel that way myself is so cringe. And one thing I love about Kanye's uh, wearing a White Lives Matter shirt, <laughs> it gave you kind okay. of a taste Before of what he that. jumped the shark. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it gave you kind of a taste of the cringe you might feel if, imagine if, in a parallel universe, people were all treating white people the way that the media wants us all to treat black people. Like some people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I like this. And I'm glad that, you know, whatever the Black Lives Matter thing is happening. 
but some people are probably like really cringed out by it. Like I've never, uh, most people that I told that I was Ukrainian to before were like, what's that? Is it Middle Eastern or European or what? And it's Eastern European. Well, so, I mean, they, if you take a part of one and a part of the other and combine it together. And now the, it's just like, it's a mi- miniature version of what happened during 2020 on, on Black Lives Matter. But I started to be, realize like people talking like that about a whole group of people, like even if, it, if they're meaning well, like, oh, we have to help them because they're just helpless is so freaking weird. It is. It's like the white savior thing. Yeah. And if you ask most black people, they're like, we don't need like, right. You know, it's like, you don't need to defend other people like that. It's just, it's, it's weird. It is a and white it, savior thing. And that goes back a very long way to at least Andrew Jackson and the concept of white man's burden, which was that it was the yeah. burden of the white man to go around and take over these, the Philippines and these other places manifest yep. destiny. Hmm. The white man has to, has to save the other races, right? It, the, the white savior complex and this this whole mentality of oh well we have we can't have voter IDs laws because because black Americans they don't know how to find the DMV it's yeah just it's like ma- how is that not racist and I said it earlier in the show people are trying certain people are trying so hard to not be racist that they come full circle yeah. and they're being even more racist than the actual racist people it's it's absolutely amazing. racist and I have never met a single black person who wanted those divides that we're no, seeing in the I United States. I've never met a single... I think I'm I've, sure they're out there, of course, but I haven't met anybody that felt that way. I think I probably have met some white people who want those divides, but the reason they want those divides is because of what they perceive to be pushes from the left for them to feel inferior or to feel evil or like they've done something wrong because they're white. So they, they go the opposite direction and become racist. I know some people, some white people who are like that, but just in and of itself, I don't know anyone who's like, you know, I, I, I think white people should feel guilty for slavery or whatever, insert whatever. However, I have seen these people online. You mentioned cringy. Uh, yesterday, for, or for whatever reason, I ended up looking at one of my old blogs from a very, very long time ago. And not, not what I said wasn't cringy. There's plenty of cringy stuff on there from me, but this, this wasn't that particular example. I had taken a screenshot of a friend of mine at the time who, who was talking about how much she hated white people. And it was just about how gross they were and how disgusting they were and how evil and blah, 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 blah. And like, bitch, you are whiter than I am. Well, right? She had, com- she, she was the whitest person I've ever seen. Just completely white. Her, her name might as well have been Brittany. She was, <laughs> she was a straight up white. No minority in her whatsoever, but that didn't stop her from just going off at No, length. I know a lot of white people like that where they're like, oh, it's, it's one thing if it's funny, if it's a joke, it's like, oh, stuff white people do. Like, oh, only a white person would do this. Like, yeah, I love saying that to Mark. You know, like that type of stuff is funny. <laughs> yes. But when people are seriously like self-hatred, like we are evil, it's it's really see, they don't really say we toxic. are evil they it's like they're separating themselves, themselves. From, yes. yeah. yeah yeah that's so true but it's still there's it's cringy there has to be like some subconscious guilt or something there unless they're yeah. like that girl on dr phil that is clearly white but she's like oh the catch me outside girl oh yeah she's no, awesome she says she's <laughs> she's not talking with the black scent she's talking with an urban accent that's what she says or maybe I'm thinking of another girl. Oh, who's maybe like, Well Vicky. 
Yes, her. Yeah. And she's like, okay. I'm black. And it's like, well, you're not. But her okay. mom said she's not and she still believes she is. Well, we've all seen the I'm sure we've all seen the picture of the guy who was wearing the suit that just said F white people all over it. Yeah. Like just just a fat, obese white dude wearing this suit that um, literally just said F white people all over it. It's yeah. so stupid. It's like, dude, you you know, you're white, right? Have you seen a mirror lately? And I I don't think you should have this mentality at all. But like, you shouldn't demonize an entire race of people yeah. or dislike an entire race of people for something, some portion of those people, even if 99% of those people or 99 point, even if all but one white person has done this evil thing, yeah. that still is no reason to hate all white people because it's still that one person who has not and who does not fit that stereotype. And you should always give someone the benefit of the doubt to be an individual and not just a monolithic member of this group. Absolutely. But too many people look at one another as, oh, when, when I first came out as trans, I encountered this. I got into an argument online. with uh, He didn't even participate in it. It was this guy called the Liberal Redneck who made this video of this this really cringy family walking through, and it was super cringy. They walked through a Target with a Bible held in the air, quoting Bible verses because Target had just announced their trans policy where trans people could use whatever bathroom they wanted. Oh my God. I don't even think it's a trans policy. It's just a, a policy, right? You use whatever. Look, if you've got to pee, I... I don't care which bathroom yep, just you Just wash use. your hands. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Just wash <laughs> your hands after. So they made this video of them walking through this Target with a Bible held in the air, quoting Bible verses or whatever, none of which had anything to do with you know trans people, obviously, because... Did trans- they have to do with like God telling them to murder people or saying slavery is okay or anything like that? Probably not, <laughs> but I don't remember what the exact Bible verses were. And the liberal redneck made a video criticizing them and you know how, how it was wrong for them to do this and... He was right on so many things, but then suddenly he goes, yeah, and they're probably racist and all of this other stuff. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, dude. Assumptions. Yeah, there is nothing, nothing they did here that even sort of suggests they have anything against black people or whatever color. Presumably he meant racist against black people. But being anti-trans doesn't mean they're racist. So I disputed that. And I was flooded with comments from his supporters saying, what are you talking about? He's speaking up for you. Just shut up and let him make his point. He's <laughs> he's trying to make your life better. Oh, because you needed him to defend you? Exactly. Needed him to be racist? And I literally pointed out to people, no, 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 look, I'm speaking for me, yeah. not him. He's speaking for him, and he's using people like me to, to put his voice out there in a stronger way or to make it seem like he's more than he really is. Mm-hmm. He's not speaking for me. I'm speaking for me, and you are telling me, the literal trans person, to be quiet and let the straight cis dude speak for me. And you don't see why there's a problem here? Why you're calling yourself an LG, a trans ally? Really? Shut up, trans person. The straight guy is talking. I'm a but trans ally. they don't ally. see it like that they, at all. They don't. And it's absolutely insane. But that's the world that people live in where I was no longer a trans person with an individuality at that point or with an a personality of my own. I was just a trans person and I had this march in lockstep with all of the other trans people behind behind our savior, the the great glorious straight white man who was going to save us from the oppressions of the other straight cis white men. Well, now people have completely bundled in like sexual identities or gender identities with like being a leftist. And I used to hear this a lot and be like a little cringed by that opinion because I was like, 
what's the evidence for that? Like, I don't see it. I, the thing is, I don't see it in my own gay friends' lives. I only see it on the internet. But there was literally a video that came out of this, uh, I, I think, woman who was saying, uh, I won't give you the title queer. I don't care if you're a gay man. You're not queer if you're not a Marxist or like that a leftist. That doesn't make any sense. You're, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. You have to be openly, like you have to agree with her on everything for her to call you what you want to be called or, you know, like, or accept you as one of her. And, I'm and just, it's just so like, confused by that. And it happens with the, the recent shooter who came out as gender nonconforming or whatever afterward. And people are like, no, 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 no. I, he's not really trans. I'm like, but, but they are. Non-binary is how, how they came out. I'm like, but, but they are. Just because they did something bad doesn't mean you get to suddenly deny their identity, right? Like, they're, they're non-binary. Deal with it. They're, they're trans. Deal with it. Or they're gay. Deal with it. Too many people put other hurdles here. You can't just be gay. You have to also be a Democrat. There's more coming up here. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live, and you are invited to control the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, the number 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. And I want to invite you to enjoy, to, to join our, to join our chat server. You can find it at chat.freetalklive.com. If you want to hang out with some of the hosts there, that's the best way to do it. And, and mostly real time, although not all the hosts are active all the time. Some of the hosts aren't even on there, I don't think. And some of them just choose to ignore it like myself. I tend to ignore the chat more often than not because they like tagging me. <laughs> and I mean, they're trolls. So the, the vast majority of people on the server are trolls. And they're charming people. Some of them are not very good at it. And well, I, I joined it just yesterday just to post a link, and nobody replied to the link, so I left. The chat server? Yeah, and they're always asking me to join. I thought you, oh, you joined the on-air now room. Yeah. Okay. Wait, are you talking about something else? Uh, well, that's one room on the Matrix server. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my bad. I joined on air now, which is like supposed to be the main hub about talking about what's going on in Free Talk Live. What is it? It's never about yeah. what's going on on the show. Unless, I, I can't believe it. Like, you dropped an F-bomb earlier, hmm. and I can't believe it. The chat still has not mentioned it. I, I, I can't believe it. I'm stunned. <laughs> they must just not be listening today. I, I don't know. They, they do listen to the show, just like, you know. Our trolls on YouTube listen to the show. They don't talk about the show, but they're clearly listening to it. I, I, can't, I can't believe it. None, none of them commented on it. It's, it's remarkable. But let's go to the phones. We have Chuck on the line from Washington. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah. I mean, racism, isn't that kind of a weird thing? It, it is weird it to be really racist. Is. Huh? It is weird to be racist. I mean, it's kind of well, weird, I mean, right? But there, there is some evolutionary advantage to this categorization <laughs> and classification of things, right? Like, it's, it's discriminatory yeah. of me to assume that a random bear in the woods is going to kill me if I, if I try to pet it, right? That, that, I am discriminating against that bear by assuming yeah. that it's going to be vicious. But if I wasn't making that assumption i would be dead 
all the pe- all the human beings not capable of making that assumption would have been killed by bears and evolution would have gotten rid of that inability to make that categorization but we're also like uh evolved enough to know the difference between in consciousness between a bear who literally is living off instincts and a human being who isn't that's the critical distinction certainly but an an assessment survival assessment like type of a thing that's going on there this bear uh won't kill me like a mexican guy will I mean, what does that is mean? Is that what we're talking about? I don't even know. I, I really don't know. No. They... Let me tell you about one of the weirdest, the weirdest uh, racist kind of ex- uh, experiences that I had was in Seattle, Washington, when all of the uh, the Chaz and Chop thing was happening there. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> autonomous zones. Yeah. Right, some some right. liberals, some Black Lives Matter advocates, I seem oh, to recall, took yes. over a portion of the city and called it a well, special I, autonomous I zone. It, I, yeah, I don't think it's accurate enough to say it was just Black Lives Matter. There was a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, a lot of stuff. Separatist people like the um, what do they call it? The Cascadia movement uh, people there. I don't know, man. I didn't follow it that closely. I'm not from Me Washington, either. and it's just some random Cascadia city. The movement is uh, th- these people that believe that uh, the western portion of Northern California, Oregon, Washington, and Canada should be its own country. But anyway, uh, one of the most racist things that uh, I saw was a bunch of white people that were all dressed in black that surrounded themselves around Capitol Hill uh the football field they have there there there's like a at the center of where all that protest happened in 2020 there was there's a, a in, at chop there's a a, a ball field there <clears throat> in seattle a, a, yeah okay a, a, a ball field and it's surrounded by a mixture of residential high density high density residential areas so you've got sure uh, it's in the middle of know. a suburb right and then they just took that over. So all these white people on Juneteenth in 2020, all these white people dressed in black decided that they were going to surround the football field at, 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 at CHOP and not let anybody in if they were not black. That's now, weird. that's racist. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's probably one of the more racist things that I've ever seen. And I couldn't believe that they were taking... It was. Wait. So, what was peculiar. the purpose? What was the purpose of that? I think it was to try to shock people into uh, making them feel like what it was like to be excluded. But uh, sure. But I mean, those white were, people who were doing that had no idea what that felt like either. Yeah. Exactly. It was I mean, so stupid. It my was, father could have has told me stories about what he was growing up when segregation was like, and they had you know the the black people had to sit in one part of the building and the white people sat in another, but. Like, that was the South then, and that was the only reason it was going on, or it, that was the only reason it carried on as long as it did, versus Seattle, where it probably never existed in the first place, and if it did, it well, certainly didn't persist it, into it, it, the 60s. Hmm. Well, it, it, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, the Pacific Northwest does have its variation of racism, but... Well, so does know, New Hampshire, how- but it's very, very different. To say that, you know, right. the, the black people in New Hampshire have common 
struggles with the black people in Mississippi. These are very different areas with very different histories. Absolutely. I think that needs to be talked about when you're in an intellectual conversation about racism and classes, classes, classism, I guess you could call it. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, there are me, certainly a lot of important things to discuss on the matter. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Chuck. I mean, I don't have the answers, and I, I, I don't like thinking of people in terms of groups and categories. And I, I don't even like thinking of you know black people or white people. I, I prefer to think of people as people, individuals with characteristics. And sure, maybe some of them share certain characteristics, and maybe some of them don't. But those characteristics don't define them. And individuals can always be different from whatever stereotypes exist surrounding people with those characteristics. Like I'm always, people always, we mentioned this during the last week, people always assume that I'm a liberal, that I'm a Democrat. Like I don't even have to speak. It, when, when I go to the anti-free state rallies here in Keene, hmm. um, I, you can see the visible confusion on these people's faces when they try to figure out what my politics are because they see me and they go oh i need to hand this person a sign wait a minute this person has a sign that talks about freedom <laughs> why could a trans person want to be free that that was one of the things i mentioned recently to um to the documentary crew who was out here for the crypto six film which is currently in the works they, they were talking about the the problems that free staters and libertarians seem to have appealing to minorities and i was like well, libertarians are bad salesmen. That, that's all there is to it. We're, we're terrible at, sell, at selling the ideas of liberty. He was, well, what do you mean? I was like, how can you fail to reach a black person in the United States with the history that black people in the United States have had? How do you fail to reach them with the ideas of liberty? Like, that you could not possibly be a worse salesman than to find someone who's who's dying of starvation and be unable to sell them a burger, right? And that's what libertarians are in the United States. We're surrounded by people dying of starvation and we're going, why the hell can't we sell a cheeseburger? Because we're terrible at selling cheeseburgers. Um, I thought during the Black Lives Matter movement at the beginning, I, I literally got an invitation. I don't even remember who it was from. Like somebody telling me I should go to the Black Lives Matter protest in San Antonio that said it was an anti-cop protest and memorial for george floyd and i was all about that i was like wow we're doing it we're doing it we're we're getting rid of the cops like i've been saying since way before these people and i'm really excited for this and i went there and everything was just like people talking about how black people were oppressed and it was nothing about like we should have that should have been the moment that everybody got together all of us citizens quote unquote i don't like that word against the oppressors no matter what color they are no matter what color we are but it was completely co-opted i still to this day believe that people from out of town came to make that protest something that it originally wasn't it was going to be wow cops are killing people let's go protest cops and people i know san antonio very well it's just like there was people that were not from there um, you just dress a certain way. You know, you if you live somewhere long enough, you know how people are. You know what they look like. You're like, why have I never seen you? I literally do nothing but drive around San Antonio all day. And I, how come I don't see this many young people? Even it's just like people who definitely weren't from there showed up just to talk about make it something that it wasn't. I I really think that the the reason that it's hard to sell libertarianism to everyone is because the minorities are hardcore targeted 
for government propaganda. So that way they see themselves as, um, you know, like they see themselves as they need the government to help. Not not that all of them do. I'm just saying that the, right. the goal is to get them to see themselves as needing the government or else the average white person will just, you know, oppress them. And they are being sold that's so hard that it's hard to get through to it for all the people who like me and you and Nikki and people, most people on Free Talk Live, I'd say, are more common sense about the subject. Like, I think a lot of libertarians are just conservatives that think they're libertarians. So there's that so too. in a, in its own layer. I don't think anyone on Free Talk Live is like that. But I don't know. Mark is oh, yeah, really I forgot close about Mark. at times. I forgot about Mark. Well, he's not 100%. <laughs> no, but I mean, he, he oh can God. get pretty close, though. Yeah, well, he's starting to turn into just a straight-up statist, but... He's going to be... I mean, pretty soon, he's going to be listening to Fox News, watching Fox News, man. Fox News and and reading The Guardian or whatever, The Daily Mail. That's it. The oh, Daily, Daily Mail. Mail. <laughs> pretty soon, man. It's coming, Mark. I, I've been saying for a long time that, like, if the Free State Project movement turns into, oh, we all agree that taking kids to trans uh, or taking kids to drug shows is grooming and that type of person i literally don't want to be a part of it and you guys can't have ian anymore no i'm with you i mean i wouldn't be a part of such a group anyway right Right. because i mean i'm one of these these trans people but we do have this not you guys i meant them yeah but we do have that issue where trans people are told that you're not really trans as you mentioned you're not really queer unless you're a marxist according to this one person i've literally been told that i'm not part of the collective because i'm a libertarian and they good they capitalize collective with a capital c by the way it was like how dare you go against the collective or something i don't remember the exact way they put it but it was basically look how dare you think for yourself and like it's just so gross it's such a gross yeah the crux of mentality transgenderism is individuality that i should be able to express myself and be an individual however i choose whatever lines of society that happens to cross but as long as it doesn't cross those political lines and the thing is like the people that you can tell are just conservatives pretending to be libertarians they have jumped on this groomer thing so hard because for the longest time they've been anti-gay people anti-trans people living their own lives but they couldn't really say anything because they couldn't think of a way that impacts them personally so they just had to not say anything but this was an invention of the media to make it to where people can be more um you know, you know, to to make it to where bigoted. people can be more bigoted and separated because um, now they've given the conservatives this idea yeah, that the it, children. yeah, it affects them because it affects my children, and then they're like, okay, yeah, now I can just be a straight up bigot because I found a way to make it seem like I'm being oppressed by gay people existing. Finally, we've done it. We have our racist card. We and it's groomers. And and isn't the evidence like? completely clear at this point that these people who are upset about this have never seen a drag show yeah yeah absolutely and they may have seen clips of some adult drag shows on the internet but they've never actually been to a drag show much less one that markets itself as family friendly i mean clearly not i remember i mean i actually don't remember this but my family members has have told me stories of when i was five years old there were drag queens at a family party and i was dancing with them i've always loved to dance you know we were having a great time I probably didn't realize that they were men dressed dressed in women's clothing. Like I didn't I didn't know what a drag queen was, right? 
But I wasn't traumatized by it. They didn't try to molest me or anything. Like, it was totally <laughs> fine, wholesome fun. There were no dildos involved. Like, it was just... It was yeah. it was just normal. So I don't really understand why there's just this huge controversy over it. The best example I've seen, the best explanation that I've seen was on the TikTok video that we posted about the drag queen discussion where someone pointed out that, you know, drag queen entertainment is just like any other form of entertainment. You wouldn't take your kids to go see you wouldn't take your six-year-old to see Halloween ends, right? But you yeah. would take them to go see Frozen 2 or whatever. Well, some some drag shows are on the Halloween ends kind of things where they're for adults only or on the I don't, uh, basic instinct kind of thing where you may see Sharon Stone flash the entire audience. Mm-hmm. Some of them are on that side of things, where, but some of them are on the frozen side of things where they're, they're, they are family friendly. And to equate all drag shows as being family friendly or family unfriendly because, you know, Halloween Kills isn't for movie for kids, and that means all movies are bad for kids. It's fundamentally not how that form of entertainment is. And it's obvious when you think about this in that context, because I can think of a lot of music that I wouldn't necessarily encourage a five-year-old kid to listen to. Right. But I can think of plenty of music that I would say, hey, five-year-old kid, here. Like, I wouldn't hand a five-year-old kid the latest Tool album and be like, here you yeah. go, kid, you're here. welcome. Here's some <laughs> Cannibal Corpse. Well, I, I chose Tool for a very specific reason. It's not because they have profane lyrics or adult themes or anything like that. It's just it's overly complicated yeah, stuff the concepts, that yeah. a five-year-old kid would not be. They want to sing Happy Birthday and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and very simple little melodies like that. Some Tool has no appeal to them whatsoever. So obviously music isn't bad for five-year-olds just because, you know... I could give a five-year-old Cannibal Corpse or Guar or whatever. I wouldn't do that, but, you know, I could. And you wouldn't say, well, music is riding the brains of five-year-olds or turning them into, you know, kitten-eating Satan worshipers or whatever it is. Insert whatever kind of crazy conspiracy theory you have because it's just a form of entertainment. And like any other form of entertainment, it can be everything from rated G to rated triple yeah, X. a spectrum. Even within a, an artist, like I showed my little brother when he was five, Lady Gaga, because we watched the half or the, a Super Bowl, her Super Bowl halftime performance together. I turned on the TV only for that part, then turned it off. And uh, he was like, wow, I love Lady Gaga after that. So I showed him Lady Gaga, but I wouldn't show him certain songs because sure. she has some songs about masturbation and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the case with everything, right? Some of it's. Some of it's family friendly and some of it isn't. And some of it's, some ideas are good and some of them isn't. And we're talking about bad ideas here, particularly those from the government. And not all of them are terrible ideas, but even the ones that are good ideas seem to be implemented badly because it is the government. But again, I'm torn on the matter because I feel like the government should have its feet held to the fire. Like if the government's going to put people in prison, then yes, they have to have a 100% pro-trans policy about trans inmates. Well, I'm sorry, you're the government. You're the one putting people in prison. Therefore, you should have this policy that is most tolerant and accepting toward the people that you're putting in prison because you're not giving them a choice. So another NASA manual identifies the words, quote, America is a melting pot and don't you want a family as microaggressions. Wait, what? What did that mean? Yeah, where is that from? America is a NASA. melting pot, and don't you want a family? Yeah, two two separate quotes. Oh. 
Okay. America is a melting pot is one quote, and don't you want a family is another quote. Both of them are considered microaggression. I assume microaggression at this point basically just means an annoying statement or an annoying question. What is America being a melting pot rude to anyone about? I, I can't I think know. of anyone that that's rude to. I think the idea is that a person should come here and lose their culture, cultural identity and I thought it was just that we all mix together. Like, if you melt things in a pot, it doesn't become... Right, but if you melt cheese in a pot, it stops being cheese and it becomes... Yeah, but if you melt cheese and meat in a pot, it's just cheese and meat mixed together and it's delicious and nice, not... Yes, but you you no longer have a slice of cheese when you do that. Or whatever form of cheese it is. But but yeah, but if you marry someone from a different culture, your kids are going to end up mixed you're gonna, they're going to be uh, speaking mixtures of languages. They're going to literally be mixed in color. They're going right. to... I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying that's what, no, no, I get that's what they're saying is that you know, if you melt all of these ingredients together, you might have a great soup, but you no longer just have an individual carrot or an individual potato or that's whatever. That's evolution. That's moving... You know, people getting together, people, you know, I voluntarily... Exchanging ideas and cultures, I I love that. That's one of the best things about life. The don't you want a family one is super annoying. That one is annoying. So about the microaggressions, pretty much a microaggression can be literally anything. About like maybe a year ago, one of my friends was in college and it was during COVID times. So they were, it was online. So I was sitting there listening to her lecture and they were talking about microaggressions. Oh, good. And the rhetoric was very concerning because essentially, like like I just said, anything can be considered a microaggression. It sounds like, from this article, it sounds like a microaggression is basically just an annoyance. Right? Not even. It's just literally anything that someone might possibly disagree with or be offended by is a microaggression. Okay, so that's literally everything because I've seen it's, people yeah, get offended everything. over some really non-offensive yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's it's literally everything is a microaggression, and that's why you know at first gra- at first glance microaggressions. It's like okay, yeah, I, I could see like what the real definition of microaggression could be and how that's problematic, but you know, per usual, these people take it too far, yep. and now everything's a microaggression, everything's offensive, and it just dilutes the meaning and the substance of the true concept. A third lists perfectionism and data is king as examples of common leadership mistakes. I'll give you perfectionism. That Perfectionism is bad, right? The perfect is the enemy of the good, as they say. If you're always aiming for perfect in something, you're never going to complete anything. This was why my music input, my output stopped, dropped to zero a number of years ago because I had this mentality that Every song I put out had to be my best song ever, which it had to be better than the previous song. Otherwise, I would scrap it and start over. And I've seen videos of YouTube creators who followed, fell into the same mindset. And once you start doing that, you inevitably reach a point where you stop producing anything at all because you're holding yourself to too high of a standard and you're destroying, you're squeezing your own creative energies dry as a result of that. You don't need to create a perfect song or a perfect video. Sometimes you just need to create a song. Or create a video. So I understand why perfectionism would be a problem. I don't know about data is king. Data, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that means. It probably has something to do with Mark last night saying that fact is racist or however we got into that. (laughs) I I don't remember the specifics there. And that has something to do with Chris Cantwell, apparently. I I, I suspect that's what that's coming from. 
There's more about this and the U.S. government and its strange diversity training. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, and you can join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that number, 603-283-6160, and with you tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. And I think this is all of our second experience with the new format of the show. Yep. No, it's my third, actually, because I was also on tonight. What do you? What do the two of you think about it? I'm I'm still enjoying it. It gets to show a much stronger flow, yeah. and less breaks means more engaging conversation. We we've definitely gotten deeper into topics tonight than we normally Absolutely. do. Absolutely, I uh, it caught me off guard on Sunday because I did, I forgot it was happening, okay. and then the first segment I didn't think to warn anyone. I was just <laughs> like, wow, we're we're still doing this, huh? Yeah, I was like that my first, the first night as well. I looked up, I was like, all right, it's time for that uh, 7.15 break or whatever. I was like, oh, like, no, yeah, no, we're not doing a that. 7.15 yeah. break. And- you know, I really like it. I think that a lot of the times I feel unhappy with my day before. I don't think about it a lot, but if I ever feel like, oh, I don't like w- how I was on Free Talk Live yesterday, it's because like I feel like I could have said that better. And you know, when you have more time to think out what you're saying, instead of feeling really rushed to just get it out perfectly the first time it's like i can be like yeah well i said that but i kind of mean it like this you know absolutely yeah and then once there's the commercial break you're not you don't have we're we're kind of we've moved on from that you know so it's not like we rarely circle back and it's like let me clarify what i said sometimes we do that but rarely or you you don't think of it yeah you're you're way past it on different subjects yeah it's like we're talking about something different or you know we've moved on well obviously both of you always feel free to bring it back to clarify something you said earlier god knows i'll do it like i said something earlier but i misspoke and let me be more precise because you're absolutely right bonnie i mean I don't think a lot of people realize this. I mean, there's no editing going out here. This is live broadcast. (laughs) When I speak, it's being played over like 160-ish. We lost some stations recently with this, which like 160-ish radio stations throughout the United States, as well as on satellite radio. I mean, I don't know if it's satellite radio. It's satellite and on the internet and various other places. And people are going to download this podcast tomorrow and they're going to listen to it. And there's been... No editing to it whatsoever. I mean, people could be listening to it years in the future, too. Like, I listened to some 2006 ones when Ian was in jail because I was just like, (laughs) vintage Ian. And there's very little prep. There's prep in the sense that, I mean, a lot of people think, what do you mean you guys don't prep for the show? It's like, that's not what Free Talk Live is, and that's not what it's ever been. We bring in articles to talk about, and we call it show prep, right? And a lot of the times, true, we don't read these articles. We get a gist of them sometimes. And sometimes we don't even do that if it just seems like an interesting topic. Like like this one here. I didn't read this article beforehand. But the point of the show prep isn't... To, it's supposed to be improvisation. How do you prepare for improvisation, right? Yeah. That It's the same question every improv comic has to ask. And we're Im- improv talk show hosts. Like, you can't 
sit down and write a script and prepare for that. You just especially because we're open phones. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. I have no idea what this lunatic from New Mexico named Sarah is about to talk about, but <laughs> she is on Free Talk Live with us. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the lie detector. I have seen a lie detector show on PBS last night and. I really thought it was really intriguing. So the conclusion of the matter is that it it does work. I mean, they still use sometimes. It. It's like, I mean, it's it's based on science. I mean, what what is your opinion on it? Well, I think I I don't know exactly what they use, but I'm assuming they use things like heart rate, maybe. And... They've certainly gone beyond the polygraph at this point. The polygraph has been yeah. proven yeah. to have an accuracy of only like so, 60, 70 percent. Really? And so what do they use to... Well, it's not admissible determine... in court. The polygraph isn't. No, I know. But like, I, I, don't, I don't like any sort of technology that erases the human element. I don't like mind reading technology or anything in that direction. I don't like lie detection technology. But there's this game called BS, right? It's a card game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. b- basically, you end up having to tell a lie to the people you're playing. And I don't remember exactly the rules, but... My family played this at family gatherings, and my grandmother, it did not matter if my if me or my sister tried to tell a lie while playing this game, bam, caught every single time. Because she knows your yes. um your physical cues and you know your behaviors. Flawlessly so. And I feel the same way about my little sister. I would always know when she was lying because she's just bad liar I, i'm a much better liar than her <laughs> uh, my grandmother she had it I, I don't know what tales we had but she knew every single time before we would even open our mouth she was like bs and that was the end of it and i like that aspect i don't like how good she was at it but i like that human aspect of it that poker playing aspect of it yeah. where you have to be able to read people and assess them and all of that the the ambiguity the uncertainty i i fear a world where your your deepest thoughts, your your truest intentions, whatever, yeah. can be laid out for the whole world to see whether you like it or not. Yeah, and I don't know well, how... Uh-huh. I was just going to say, I don't know how the polygraphs work, but I know, you know, people, like, through meditation and, and certain thought techniques, people can lower their heart rate, and, you know, monks can take a, a soaking towel and dry it in seconds. I don't know if that's real, but, you know, I've, I've You're talking heard... about the Wim Hof type of stuff, right? Yeah, I was saying yeah. Wim Hof. I never heard that about drying a towel. That's crazy and weird. I had, I had heard something about that when I was in high school. It was like these Buddhist like their body heat? who, pre- who would, would do very similar things to Wim Hof where they would go out into the wilderness and like into the snowy wilderness wearing only a wet towel. And after maybe not a few minutes, but after not long, the towel would be completely dry and they would maintain warmth. Yeah. Like with the monks, like you can see steam coming off of the towels. So if people can do things like this, then I'm sure they can cheat a polygraph. Certainly. Well, that's why it's not admissible in court, right? If it's if it's wrong, even one percent of the time, then you could lead to a false conviction. And you, you can't have that. Right, Sarah? Wouldn't you agree? Well, I mean, let's say if you were accused of, uh, let's say if you really committed a crime, okay, and then they threatened that you tell me the truth, what happened to you, or we're going to put you on this lie detector test, what would you say? Would you lie to them and put you on, and then put you on a lie detector, or would you, or would you tell the? You truth? have to consent to being on a lie detector test. So I would say. Nothing. I want to talk to a lawyer. That's what you should always say. Let me reverse that question a bit, Sarah. 
they say you did not commit this crime. You did not do it. You know you didn't do it. But they put you up to a polygraph test, which you agree to take because you didn't do anything wrong. Why, why should you be afraid of a polygraph test? You, you're telling the truth. But you failed that polygraph. No, no, no. Let me finish the freaking question, Sarah. But you failed the polygraph test. What then? Okay, why would you fail the polygraph test? She is based on science. She just watched a propaganda show last night. They're only... And- now she's just convinced that, oh, it's based on science and polygraphs can never be wrong. And, and she that's what happened. Sarah well, watched so, something on PBS. Yeah, she well, said. And, and if they're even wrong one percent of the time, if you're that unlucky, you know, one out of a hundred, then you're going to jail forever for something you didn't do. Well, I don't, I don't know what, how they do it, but it is used in court. And no, what, they're not. What I gather is that most of the time, it's a good detection that you're lying. So it is being most of the time is not prejudice. good enough, Sarah. Maybe on Maury. We we don't have a court system where you have to be mostly convinced that the person is guilty. You have to be completely convinced beyond a shadow of reasonable doubt. And the polygraph test, which is the most common lie detector test, I'm assuming the documentary that you watched went a little bit beyond the basic polygraph test because that's 60, 1960s type stuff. And it's known to be inaccurate. I'm looking for the numbers here and I got to tell you, I just can't find it. I just can't find an example. I mean, a percentage of how often the lie detector, the polygraph test is wrong. You would think a freaking Google result of how often are lie detector tests wrong would lead exactly to the well, number they're obviously that you're looking for. Doing but- propaganda and Google's propaganda, you know, so I could see them hiding that. Oh, here it is. I, I, I was not on Google. I was at Brave's default search engine and it was... Uh, there have been several reviews of polygraph accuracy, Sarah. They suggest that polygraphs are accurate between 80 and 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. That means 20, 10 to 20% of the time, they're wrong. That One means- out of 10 is a lot if you're getting convicted of something you didn't do. Well, I mean, but that's, that's only a part of it. I mean, they're going to have witnesses and... Other people, the DNA test, the fingerprints. Well, what if somebody's like you and just believes, oh, poly- I watched a show on PBS and now I think that polygraphs are 100% right all the time and well, it's based on science and now and, I'm going to convict them and I'm on the jury. Well, and you have to admit, so if you're a member of the jury, if anyone's a member of the jury, if someone fails a polygraph, you know, even myself, if somebody failed a polygraph, it might be like, well, you know, that seems pretty accurate, you know, yep. it, it that would definitely change the jury's mind from innocent to guilty because i don't think the prosecutors would be allowed the the defense attorney would say no you're not allowed to call this a lie detector and the judge would say i agree you're not allowed but they would say this is a polygraph detector that is used to determine whether or not someone is being deceitful they would say something along those lines that they would get as close to saying it's a lie detector as possible without you know making the judge angry and they would say something to the effect to that. But t- 10 to 20% of the time, Sarah, you're going to end up with someone who did not commit the crime going to jail because the polygraph test was wrong. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's still a good tool. If I no, it's not. It's a terrible tool. Wrong, Here, here's a hammer. 10% of the t- they stick me on that machine. Here's a hammer. 10% of the time it's going to blow up and take your hand <laughs> off. That's not a good tool, Sarah. <laughs> well, and if... If it even ruins one person's life where they have to go to prison for something they didn't do. Throw the whole justice system away. 
Exactly. I mean, we should already do that, but yeah, definitely I, don't use a polygraph in court when it's someone's life is at risk. I agree entirely. But I mean, I don't know what else we would expect from Sarah, who is on the record as saying that she supports the death penalty, even though she oh, I knows didn't know that. she does. She supports the death penalty. And get this. She knows she will admit she's done it on the air. She will admit that there are people who are wrongfully convicted of crimes in American prisons. And she knows we've gotten to her to, to agree to this on there that with the death penalty, it means some number of people killed by the government will be innocent. And she's okay with that because we'll still occasionally kill an actual murder. Wow. And she's admitted that on the air multiple times. I'm not putting some weird spin on it. She has admitted that multiple times in those exact terms. She knows what she's saying when she says it. So I'm not at all surprised that she's fine with the polygraph test being wrong 10 to 20 percent. I know that's pretty mild compared to uh, murdering people for things they didn't do. Is that like a normal communist? uh, I don't think so. uh, It wouldn't seem like it to me. It doesn't seem leftist to me to be, you know, I mean, like true communism, like China and Cuba and stuff (laughs) like that. Like, yeah, absolutely. They totally can get down with that. But I think the like. The American, like, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? Like the glorified American communism. Like we're all gonna have free food. And democratic we're not have socialism. To work. Yeah, whatever. Democratic socialism. Like those people, I don't think that they would normally agree be with pro Sarah. Cops killing people. See, I'm against the death penalty. I'm 100 percent against the death penalty. The state should not be able to condemn anyone to death, and this includes. People who aren't American. So they shouldn't be able to have war. They shouldn't be able to drop bombs. They shouldn't be able to point at someone and say, I think it's time for you to die. They should not have power over life and death. Full stop. End of story. Yeah. However, I argue that a person who's being been convicted of a crime in a jury should be able to request the death penalty. Well, I think anyone should be able to request to not be alive anymore if I, they want to. Do, I agree entirely. Criminal, criminal or not, if you if you don't want to be alive anymore, then that's your decision. It's your, literally your life. Right. Uh, I'm with you a thousand percent. And the criminal justice system, it denies in that. It keeps people from killing themselves, right? So people, Jeffrey Epstein, whether or not he did or didn't kill himself, he had the right, I would argue, to kill himself. Yeah. It's my life, right? What more fundamental right could I have than to end it if it's mine? The idea that I can't end it suggests that my life isn't mine. It's yours. Other people have authority over me. And I'm not suicidal or enemies. Don't get me wrong. However, if someone is convicted of a crime and they choose to kill themselves, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be allowed to do that. A lot of people would say that living the rest of your life in prison, not on your own terms, without any freedom is worse than death. Like, I mean, it's like what John Stark said. There are more evil things than death. Yep. And it's certain. And I don't mean, you know, someone who gets convicted and they, they get sent to life prison and they're so they say, OK, well, I want to be put to death. I don't mean give them 40 years of death row. I mean, take them out the next day and put a bullet at them. Right. Like, let them die as quickly and efficiently as they as they want. <laughs> at that point, they've requested to die. So, I mean, don't torture them to death or anything, but like bullet back of the head problem solved because it it would be better i think to be dead than to live an entire life in prison now i understand you you would want to have some level of restraint on this right you wouldn't okay this person's been 
this person is going to prison for three years or five years or whatever, and they, they've asked to die. Well, you may want to send them to psychiatrist. You may want to yeah, reevaluate well, some options a bit. Yeah, and maybe the hospital will determine that they just want to die. And right, maybe or they, like give them a couple weeks to to think it over. Absolutely, maybe. but you'd wouldn't want to. But it, it would be a dangerous power, I would argue, because sure, the person who's sentenced to three years, it may seem like the end of the world right then, yeah. right? But give them a few weeks to adapt to a life in prison, as awful though it will be, and and they'll realize that they can adapt, and they they will get released, and they will be free again, and it's it's worth living for. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't want to just like, all right, well, they said they want to die, go pull it a bullet well, in them. You know, it'd be even more, um, you know, not wasteful of time and resources is just if everyone was trained on and used and allowed to use guns, deciding to go rape someone would just be like deciding to kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I will defend myself if you, you know, try to assault me. Another good solution to this whole death penalty thing would be to, you know, stop prosecuting victimless crimes or as I like to call them, Harmless choices. That was what I called them four years ago when I first ran for sheriff. I was like, I don't even like the terminology of victimless crimes. Because it's not a crime. It's not a crime at all. Well, it is a crime in the sense that it's a violation of the law. Right. But it shouldn't be a crime because it's it's just a harmless choice. A harmless choice. I like that. Yeah. It's not hurting anyone. It's just a choice someone happens to make. But it's criminal in the United States for whatever bizarre, crazy reason. So if we didn't have all of those people in prison for harmless choices, things like selling pot or smoking pot or selling cocaine or smoking cocaine. Do you smoke cocaine? You can, yeah. No, probably not, though. You store cocaine. I, I know you like the free-based kind you can smoke, I think. I've okay. never done any cocaine. So. I've never done any cocaine either. But, you know, presumably there are people in prison who have sold some or cooked some or whatever. And instead of doing that and instead of having this apparatus where they could say, you know what, I don't want to spend 20 years in prison – just shoot me, just don't prosecute them in the first place for doing something that wasn't harming anyone. And no, society isn't their victim. They didn't harm society. Society isn't a thing that can be harmed. We're talking actual harm to individuals that can be measured and quantified and studied. You can't study harm to society. You can assume it, but you can't prove it. You can't demonstrate it. All you can say is, well, it's harmful to society for everyone to, you know, be selling cocaine but no is it actually harmful to society or is the drug war harmful to society because we don't know the answer to that if everyone was running around on cocaine 24 7 we really don't know what the results of that would be maybe they would be a good thing i just don't see a world where everyone would choose that i could have done cocaine lots of times in my life and i just was like i don't think that i'll like that and i didn't see i didn't do it because i i based on what people have said i know i would like it and I would like it too much. So I've always just said, no, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want to do it. The same with heroin and, you know, meth sounds like something I probably wouldn't enjoy. No, no because way. I've heard too many horror stories of people like having what sound like anxiety attacks or psychotic episodes. It's yeah. like, I have enough anxiety already without worried about, you know, UFOs landing in the spaceship and unleashing federal agents onto me. So I'm, I'm going to pass on that, that meth you're smoking there. But thanks for the offer, bud. Or like there's bugs in your skin and stuff like that. Oh, God, mm-hmm. yes. That like, and they too. scratch their yeah. skin open. Oh, that's so creepy. Well, let's go to the phones and other people from New Mexico. We have David on the line. David, you're on Free Talk Live. And sorry, I didn't want to call you that other crazy person in New Mexico. So you're David in New Mexico. Congratulations. How are you doing, David? 
Doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for asking. Bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, David? That, that was an inside joke on Bonnie's part there. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. I, I didn't catch that. I'm too stupid. And, and Bonnie says the F word on the radio. Wait, did, did it play on the radio? No. Oh. No, no, just on, just on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I never, ever got dumped before. It's really annoying. We have a dump button, and I mean, I was really quick hitting it, so there there was no way it went out. I mean, yeah. you have six seconds to hit it, and I it was in a second, maybe two at the most. Just annoying, because I liked being able to be like, I've never been dumped. And Captain goes, I've dumped myself a couple times. Yeah, I, I have dumped myself before. I, I want to say someone else dumped me, but I don't remember at this point. I mean, it's, it's something that happens at least once to everyone at some point, so. Yeah, haven't we all been dumped? I haven't. <laughs> No, you have or haven't? I haven't. Well, not on the show, but would you dump Nikki? No, I'm, t- I'm talking about IRL in real life. <laughs> yeah, okay, I know, fine. I know I that. Ha- I know have that, been David. Dumped before then, Jesus man, we knew what you were talking yeah, about. We knew the Aria joke. Aria made the joke funnier, and he didn't get it. <laughs> Went right over his head, or her head. Anyway, what'd you call about tonight, David? I, I, well, I'm not, I don't blanket disagree with you on everything you said, but I, there was a couple things that I disagree with when you're talking about uh, uh, dating, whatever, dating, not dating, friends, not friends, whatever. What, one, one is there, there's a scenario you missed with uh, men and women because, like, uh, I've experienced where I'm not trying to get with some girl that wants to be my friend, but, I might, I, but I'd be interested if she was interested, um, but I'm not pursuing it, but, but having any. Do not demand data in order to accept a person's individual perspective or to utilize that perspective in decision-making. That's what they mean by data is king, evidently. You're not experiencing glitch. I just hung up on David and went back to the article because he, he was rambling and not getting to the actual point that he was trying to make. And I I like hanging up on David because it makes him so uniquely angry. He's actually calling back, which I appreciate because I do want to let him actually make your point. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you for calling back. Yeah, yeah, no sweat. But so it's like you, you don't really want to be friends with a girl that you're actually attracted to, even though you're not trying to pursue it because it's a distraction. <sighs> That's weird. That is so weird. No, but if no, you're not no. attracted to, how is she a distraction? And what is yeah, she a distraction from? I said you are. He doesn't want to be. But, oh, but but you're not pursuing it. You're not you're not trying to make it happen. But you are attracted. But she's not interested. So it's a distraction to the friendship. And so it's a, it's an uncomfortable place for a dude to be. If you're interested and she's not interested, even though you're not, you know, she's not interested, and you're not trying to make it happen, it's still a distraction. I I don't agree at all. I I can think of it at least a dozen girls that I'm attracted to and that I'm not pursuing and that it's not a problem whatsoever that I find them attractive. And, and right. And the key word is I, that's your personal experience. Do you think it's possible that there are other males out there? And I'm talking about males because I'm male that see it differently than you do. I think they should learn to control themselves a bit and not let, they should be, not they let should their change, baser instincts get change, in the way of friendship. Who they are, Circle Aria. the square. They should change who they are. Everyone should yeah. change. Well, let me rephrase that. Everyone should work to improve themselves. And it sounds like if they can't have friendships with people that they're attracted wait, 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 to, then that's a wait, downside and they should improve wait, themselves. Wait, you said improve. That's subjective. What if other people don't agree that that's an improvement? 
because it's a subjective. I don't care if they agree or not. I've never. never. It it is objectively hiring consciousness to not have to think with your pants or what's inside your pants all the time because it's just like. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sexuality is not in your pants, it's in your brain. I, you know what the subject or the the words I was trying to say, but I couldn't say them on the air. Yeah. Well, you do. Why? Why not? You said the other the other word on the air. <laughs> but I wasn't <laughs> supposed to. Yeah, I, I don't know, David. I've never lived my life caring what other people thought, man. And I don't think that's a very good way to live one's life. So maybe I'm the only one who thinks it's a downside. But I mean, a psychologist would agree that a person who can't maintain healthy relationships with someone with people of the opposite sex because they're attracted to them has some issues they need to work out. And I don't think women uh, should, you know, drag men along who they can obviously tell that's the case. Like, they like me, and I just like the attention, and I'm just gonna... I Mm. think that's wrong in the other way, too. It's like, you know, don't just, you know, have some compassion for the person. Let them down easy. Like Bill and Ted said, be excellent to each other. That's really what it comes down to. Just be nice. It's Free Talk Live. So you've signed the Shire Society Declaration and are planning your move to New Hampshire to be around more liberty-oriented people. Next, sign up for the Shire Society Forum at forum.shiresociety.com. There are a bunch of people there who are already in the Shire, and they want to meet you. If you're already in the Shire physically, you should also come by the forums. Remember, not everyone uses Facebook. New people are signing up for the Shire Society Forum every month. So drop in and say hello at forum.shiresociety.com. 